on episode 94 of Pixel Gaiden. Tim reviews the new Sega Genesis 2 Mini. We talk about six good tactics games. Good news for wrestling and F-Zero fans. A return to news of the weird. What handheld would you take on vacation? Is our namesake just a play on words? Lots of Pico 8 love. A new ZX Spectrum Next game. And there might be a new mini on the horizon. Hello, Mr. Eric Nelson. This is Cody Hoffman. Hello. Tuning in. Eric, what's this noise? <clears throat> is, that a, is that a turkey? <laughs> That's a turkey. And you're not going to... You, I know some people don't know this, but in America, we have a holiday called Thanksgiving. Yes, we do. It's in the month of November. And it is the first episode in November for Pixel Guide and here on the 15th. I guess we can talk about our turkey days next episode on the 30th. But until then, Eric, how was your spooky, creepy Halloween? Spooky, creepy Halloween was great. It was everything I wanted it to be. I sat in the driveway, drank beer, sat by a fire pit, and handed out candy to a bunch of undeserving little brats. Hey, I like the fire pit thing. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. A I lot of people are doing that now. I love it. That's, I, I, I'd never seen that before. And this year, because we're in this rural area, we found out yeah. there's like one neighborhood not too far away from here that has like, you know houses next to each other with you know small houses with with the uh, fences and everything yeah so we're like well let's go crash the party and drop our kids off there and walk around and apparently that's what every family in this entire like county does they go to that one yep. neighborhood and they just got wrecked and they were all uh like cars just lined in the streets yeah every every one of those houses had a fire pit and people out front so they were used to it and yeah I, my girls got eric imagine you're back in your younger days right yeah. You you wanted to find the house with the full-size candy bars? Yes. Five full-size candy bars, Eric. That's insane. Including, that's the, including two Toblerones. That, yeah, that's the holy grail right there. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> I uh, our, our neighborhood used to be that neighborhood. Like, people yeah. would park on the outside of our gates and come in and, like, walk the circle. Because you've seen our neighborhood's a circle. So, like... It's a donut, yeah. You could just do the outside, then the inside of the circle, and, like, collect like so much candy. Um, but no, no, in all seriousness, all the kids were really cool. We had a probably 200 kids. So pretty, yeah. pretty big night, pretty big night. So wow. yeah, it went well. Very cool. And I just got back from, so I, it's going to be an interesting show for me because I just spent the last week, which I should have been preparing for the show, but decided to go with my wife for her birthday trip to, uh, Louisiana. Wow. And we got to go play in the swamps with the gators and listen to the jazz and not quite drink until we threw up. Do all the, you know, Louisiana stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you see any gators? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we awesome. got, our, the best part was probably we got this little, um, this little cabin. It's like a floating cabin right on uh, the bayou. I guess you call it the yeah. bayou. I think you saw, I saw a picture of that, yeah. Yeah, and as soon as we walked up to this thing... 
we saw like three little gator tails coming across the river or the bayou or whatever because uh, I'm sure they're used to being fed. They came right up to our cabin, a little floating cabin. So I was fishing, caught some catfish. Wow. Yeah, it was good times. Ate a bunch of cool. spicy uh, crawdads and things. Yeah. But anyways, I am back as of yesterday and ready to record an episode tonight, more or less. Yeah. Um, on this episode of Pixel Guide In, for the listeners, I always forget we're like talking to people besides uh, just each other. On this episode <laughs> of Pixel Guide In, uh, Eric and I are going to, of course, start with some quick questions. We're going to have the Patreon song. Um which is full of energy, even though I just threw it together. <laughs> Great. Um, Eric, you and I are going uh, to catch up on some news. Lots of, um, lots of new game news, it looks like. And, yeah. uh, and then we're going to go ahead and talk about six good games. And they are a, a, a genre near and dear to my heart, right, Eric? Same here. That's why I picked it, because I wanted to do tactical games. And... I realize now it probably wasn't the best timing for you because you've got to sink, sink your teeth into it. But I figured, like me, y- you have a long history that you can pull from in regards to tactical games. So yeah, and a lot of I'm them, looking forward to it. A lot of them I t- I've talked about already, but we'll we'll dig into it. And uh, I tried to find some I have not brought up on the show or haven't brought yep. up enough on the show. How about that? So that sounds good. But it's a new episode, and we just started, which means we need to dig into some quick questions. Quick questions! Eric, you have our first quick question today. Yes, I do, and it's related to you being away here. I said, you've been away, Cody. Yes, you have. Hmm. Did you take a gaming device with you? And if so, how did it go? And what did you play? Uh, I did. This is a lame question purely for the fact that you don't get to answer it. But... I did, <laughs> and yeah. I took. Uh, I, honestly, the main platform I played on is going to surprise you. It's a little, it's a little odd. Is my laptop? Yeah, um, because I got hooked all over again into a whole different level on Vampire Survivors. <laughs> That's awesome. I've been playing a ton of it again, so I just plug in a little, a uh, little. What do you call the USB pad? Um, shoot, what's that brand that we love? Uh, Retro Fighters? No, no, no. The other one. 8-Bit Doe. 8-Bit Doe. Yeah, a little uh, yeah. Super NES-style pad. And been playing, even though I really just need up, left, and right. Up, left, down, and right. Yes. For that game. Um, the, the new updates on that are subtle, but they do make a difference. They do make quite the difference. I've been playing that a lot, too, on the Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah. You've got to put... Um, you've got to give yourself a good 20 30 minutes of run now because you get so powered up that you're just like destroying things constantly and unlocking new features and those features unlock other features which unlock new goals and they add like modules i don't know if you're tracking with what i'm saying or if you've done the same things i have but like yeah got like 12 unlocked characters now and then those characters have special quests that you can find if you find those you get new items and those items have things that you can upgrade to get other things it just keeps going and it's cool It's, it's such a, a simple, it's an amazing game. game. Yep, it's one. Of, it's the game that I play when I want to just turn off for the evening and just chill out with a game that I know I'm going to play for about half an hour, and that's usually about how long I play. I always say that to myself, and then I play five rounds, and it's like two thirty at night, and I'm like, shoot! <laughs> and I slam the laptop closed and throw it in the corner and try to go to sleep. Uh, the other device I brought was to play one of the tactical games we'll talk about later. 
but that was my Game Boy Advance. Although, yeah. to be completely honest, I didn't play enough of it um, because I got so into Vampire Survivors and I just kept playing that. So that is cool. my answer. Also, we were really busy, so we really only had that, you know, after everyone fell asleep, because we uh, went with a couple friends as well. Um, if I was still not exhausted, I would I'd spend, you know, last 30 minutes of my night laying in bed and then and then go to bed. So, yeah, not a whole lot of, of gaming except for on the plane. Um, cool. I'll read this next one. Yeah. Uh, from Pajaco 6502. Um, and to get really specific, he sent this on November 5th. <laughs> yes. For some reason, we have the date in here. Um, and I'll, I'll say exactly what he says. He says, okay, I might have totally missed this one as I didn't jump on board Pixel Gaiden from day one, which was your bad, Pajaco. Uh, but, and this is, this is pretty smart, is Pixel Gaiden a very clever play on the words as in Pixel Guy Den, like Guy, G-U-I and Den, D-E-N. Or like is that, Man Cave. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or is that just a happy coincidence? Now, first of all, it, we couldn't possibly do that because apparently the word guy only means males, and that would be very exclusive of us. That would be. You know, we're an inclusive but bunch. We are, we are guys, I assume. I mean, I, I'm assuming, but we are guys, so it would be accurate. It would be accurate for the two of us. It would be exactly. exclusive of some of y'all. Um, True. Although I've always just said, hey, you guys, meaning everybody. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. Eric, what do you think? I, I, I it is it is a happy coincidence, but I'm always <laughs> and I want to. I was th- when I saw him say this, I was like, well, maybe we should reiterate how we came up with the name for the show, and I want to make sure my memory is accurate because I c- I could be misremembering this, but I remember when we were talking about the podcast and we didn't quite have a name. We were we were both texting back and forth, throwing out ideas for names. I remember you specifically said Gaiden. And because it was Japanese for a side story, and I think I said pixel. So it, in true form, I thought our name came from both of us. It did. Is that I, how you remember? I think it? yeah, more or less. I think you. I wanted always in my mind wanted Gaiden in there somewhere, and you came up with something like the Pixel Podcast or Pixel something. We were playing with that, and then like, what about Pixel Gaiden? Because it sounds kind of like Ninja Gaiden, which yeah, and a lot of other games have Gaiden. Um, and then we looked, at, and he has the cool Japanese kanji. Um, it looks like a cool logo. Yeah. Um, so I looked it up to see what it even meant, and that's when I learned, yeah, that it means side story. So that's perfect. Which is perfect, because all of our gaming <laughs> is a side story. So I thought it was the perfect name, and it was both of us coming together and, and getting it getting it done. Get her done. Get her done. Well done. Um, before cool. we get to my quick question, which I wanted to ask both of us, Eric, I wanted to go ahead and let you tell everybody about our amazing show stop, uh, sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Yes. RetroRewind.ca is the place you want to go to get Commodore 64 stuff, Commodore 128, Commodore 16 Plus 4, Amiga, Tandy Coco stuff, and goodies. Goodies, like even. T-shirts. Yeah. You can get T-shirts. You can get uh, what is that? The little transit cards. You can get all sorts of really cool extra stuff. But if you have any of those systems I listed, then you really got to get on here and check out what they have. There are so many really really cool things. So let's say I just went out and got myself a new Wedge Amiga, Eric. What could I hop on here and start doing? 
You can. So let's say that you want to uh, get a different kickstart ROM because okay. Amigos are very finicky about kickstart ROMs. Um, you could go that you can contact Frank and order a kickstart ROM and you can erase it and put your own firmware on there. Or if you want, Frank will do it for you. You just got to let him know. Very cool. Um, so you can do that. If you needed to get an adapter for Kickstart ROM, you can get them get them for ten bucks for an A five hundred Kickstarter uh, Kickstart adapter. Um, if you need to relocate a CPU so that you can fit more stuff in your A five hundred to two thousand, there's a CPU relocator, and this adapter fits onto the sixty eight thousand CPU socket so that you can move it move it by ninety degrees so that you can fit more stuff in there. And just to show um, how good of a uh, guy Frank is, yeah. he even has a CF slot adapter for an A4000. Now, it's only $10, Eric. Now, from by my recollection, the A4000 is not a cheap Amiga. Not at all. And there's no reason he couldn't charge 30 bucks for this, because he knows people who are buying those have some dough. Correct, because it's a good rare, guy. and there's no, <laughs> nobody sells stuff for the, for the A4000. So... You know, he's not selling it for $30, though, even though he easily could. He can make some money and he probably should make some money, but he's selling it for only $10. But Eric, yeah, for our listeners, you only need to spend $9 on such a device because we have a code you can use if you go to retrorewind.ca forward slash pixel guide in. Go ahead and throw any of these items into your shopping cart. Use code PG10 at checkout to save 10% off your entire order. Again, retrorewind.ca and use code PG10 at checkout. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I have a fun question. Last quick question of the day. Yeah. Eric, if you could hop into any video game, and when I say this, I mean like, uh, like, uh, full-on lift the CRT and stretch it out and put your foot in and put your head underneath. I don't know why I'm visualizing this. Uh, And and hop into the world of that video game. Uh, Which game would it be? Now, this would be for you just to walk around and explore. I'm not going to say that, um, you know, if you hop into Doom, that Space Marines are shooting and there's uh, demons from hell that want to eat you and throw fireballs and so on and so forth. But just, like, check out the world. Yeah. What game? I, yeah. I think uh, I, I, if I just uh, throwing this out there, like right off the top of my head, I think Far Cry 5 is probably the one that comes to mind the, the soonest just because <laughs> I really loved that world. Um, exploring, you know, you could go into all the little houses looking for the bobbleheads and, 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 and go into the camps and, Stuff like that. I, I would love to, to re, in real life, explore that world. And it's so rich and large that um, I, I, I that that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And the cool thing about that one, Eric, is that really exists for the most part. You can just take a, a plane ticket, probably only a few hundred bucks to get to Montana. Yeah. It was Montana, right? Or was it? It, some, it was. I thought it was Montana. Anyways, it's the mid, yeah. Midwest. Yeah. Um, and the only difference is that uh, there's creepy guys running around trying to kill you, but really get rid of those guys. It's kind of just the Midwest. Yeah. But I guess you get to um, trespass on people's yards and check out their stuff without them knowing or caring. <laughs> so that's fun. That's right. I like that. It's a good one. That's a good. It, it's a good atmosphere. Mine is is Bioshock. Oh Have you played yeah. Bioshock. 
I've, I've dabbled in Bioshock. I've dabbled because I have it, uh, but I dabbled in it, but I never finished it. And it was so long ago. I, I mean, I remember the world a bit, but as far as I got, but I probably only spent maybe three or four hours playing it. Okay. So Bioshock is one of my favorites of all time. The atmosphere is the coolest, uh, even from the beginning, which is you literally just got in a plane crash. You crash in the middle of the ocean with nothing around except, you know, you grab onto a piece of wing or something. You're sitting there floating and you look out and you just see a little little spire of a building sticking out of the ocean, in the middle of the ocean. So, of course, you go over there and check it out. There's a little staircase. You can walk up to the door. You open the door and there's a little elevator. So, of course, you, there's nothing else you can do. You hop in the elevator. takes you down to this, like, underground world that was made in, like, the, what do you call it, the um, uh, Art Deco, like, 20s, 30s. Yeah. And you're in this underwater world where, you, you know, there's these big old waterproof window things. You can look out in the ocean and create whales and things are, are swimming by. And there's, like, 20s jazz music on and, like, all that um, all that Art Deco I don't know the the style and the advertising and the uh, and the announcers they talk like this and <laughs> yeah it's just the coolest world now of course once you throw the enemies in there it's creepy as all heck but I I always loved that that world and every time I went to like a new room or a new level I was engrossed in it Eric I was engrossed yeah and I thought it did have really cool enemies though so it'd be cool to see them if they didn't try to kill you like the what are the little babies called or the well, um, God, it's coming back to me now. What, what, was there something called daddies or something? The, or? It was the, the big daddies and the little, little sisters. That's right. The big daddies and little sisters. That's the, right. It's uh, all coming back to me now. Yeah. And the big daddies, yeah, had the, the big old uh, drill hands. Yeah. And they were menacing and they would destroy you. And the little sisters were creepy. And they had, they, were, uh, they had like little glowing eyes with no pupils. <laughs> and they would like goad you on and do things. And you couldn't tell if they were helping you or working against you. But regardless... If you got caught near little sister and a big daddy saw you, you were dead. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Eric, let's go ahead and see how y'all can get a hold of us. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D U H P R O J E C T. And you can reach Cody at Oddball, which is at O D D B A 1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S A N X I O N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we'd love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. 
If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month we're rocking it old school. Welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. And what are we going to do this month? Well, I think we're going to unbox something. Uh, right here on my table in front of me, I have a brand new Sega Mega Drive 2 Mini. Yes, that's right. You said you heard me say it. Mini. That's how we're going to say now. It's always going to be Mini. Yeah. So, the Sega Mega Drive 2 Mini is one of the latest little miniature consoles that has been released. This literally, I think, came out about two days ago. So as we're doing this as a dual video and audio thing, I'll try and be as descriptive as I can. Um, so in front of me on my desk here, so here it is. It's kind of looks very much like the original Sega Mega Drive 2 box, only much smaller. This thing is tiny. Let me get something for you just so you can do a quick comparison. So here is a uh, Futures 8-bit pen, uh, the Div, MC, Div MMC Future pen, without the lid, as you can see. There's no lid on this one. But um, yes, so it is roughly about the size of one Div MMC Future pen from the Futures 8-bit. Um, so that gives you a rough scale. If you can see that on the screen, and also if you can't. 
So next uh, we'll have a look at the box itself. Uh, so like I say, it's, it's pretty small. On the front we've got the uh, Sega Mega Drive 2 Mini, a little picture of the um, console on the box. And along with that we've got the Sega six button pad. Um, so that's nice to have the six button pad there. And I think that also hints maybe to some of the games that comes with this. Now that neatly moves into what the actual games are and how many we've got. So we've got 53 classic games and we've got seven bonus titles. Let's have a very quick look and run through of the games. Showing us on the back of the Mega Drive 2 mini box, uh, across the top we've got uh, Sega Mega CD 12 classic titles. They include, looks like Sonic CD, Echo the Dolphin, Echo the Tides of Time, Final Fight CD, which is awesome, Night Striker, hmm, don't know that one, uh, Night Trap, Robo Aleste, Sewer Shark, boo, Shining Force CD, which is bound to be awesome, uh, Silpede, Sonic the Hedgehog CD, like we said, The Ninja Warriors, and something I can't pronounce, uh, Uami Mystery Mansion, Mystery Mansion. Yes, I think that's it. Um, so that's those titles, and then we've got the actual classic Mega Drive titles. So in there we've got Afterburner 2, Alien Soldier, Atomic Runner, Bonanza Brothers, Clay Fighter, Desert Strike, Earthworm Jim 2, Elemental Master, Fatal Fury 2, Game Ground, Golden Axe 2, uh, Grenada. Um, Hellfire, Herzog's Vi, uh, Mid Midnight Resistance, Outrun, Outrunners, yes, Fantasy Star 2, which is a brilliant RPG, Populous, Rainbow Islands, Extra, ooh, what's extra about Rainbow Islands on that then? Uh, Ranger X, Rye Star, which is brilliant, uh, Rolling Thunder 2, Shadow Dancer, The Secret of Shinobi, Shining Force 2, Shining in the Dark, Solil, Sonic 3D, Flicky's Island, Splatterhouse 2, which I am absolutely rubbish at, but it's a brilliant game. Uh, Streets of Rage 3, Super Hang On, and Super Street Fighter 2, The New Challengers. And hence, that's why we've got the six-button pad. So, to open it up, I think we've got to turn this one around. And at the top, we have got uh, the opening little opening flap so let's do the opening flap so inside the box we have some plastic and uh, this looks to me to be like uh, the uh, power cable so that's a USB power cable this inside uh, oh okay so we've got an HDMI cable thank you very much Sega so next, I'm guessing the, the biggest thing here is the joypad. There is the uh, six button pad, which is nice and shiny. Got the wrapping on that, that looks very good. And yeah, it's a nice feel to that. Feels very original, so I'm guessing with it being Sega, they must have used the original molds on that. Has it got the select button? Oh, it's got the select button on the, on the mode button on the top. Excellent. Okay, open this up, take it out from its little plastic packaging, and ta-da, there it is, the Sega Mega Drive 2, it is very mini. Um, oh, the cartridge slot actually opens up on this. Um, so you've got, looks like an on-off switch, reset, very faithful. Uh, what have we got on the back? 
So on the back we have a lovely HDMI socket and the power socket. So underneath we've got the uh, Sega, we've got a serial number and I guess what we'll probably do now is power it up and have a look and see what's, uh, see what's available. I haven't played some of those awesome games. Okay then, so here it is. This is the Mega Drive 2 Mini from Sega. Let's uh, switch the console on. Takes a few seconds to power up, um, and then we'll get the uh, main title screen come up. And it also plays some. There we go. Some little bit of music in the background. So as you can see, we've got a uh, main settings menu at the top left. Um, if you're uh, listening to this on the audio, you are not going to see the settings menu. So you have got a settings menu at the top left. Um, in the middle of the screen, we've got the Mega Drive 2 logo. Um, and at the top right, we've got a sort order. So you can sort um, the games by uh, different types of sort settings so for example uh, the default setting I've got it in at the moment is via release date so it shows the games um, the date that they were released um, so if I just change one of those settings I can go up um, and uh, I think it's the Y and Z button yep I can change so I've got recently played uh, CDs first so it'll put all the CD games so let's go to the top of the menu and we've got all the CD games at the top uh, number of players so if it's single player or two player and then the type of genre and we've got a Z to A so a reverse sort and an A to Z a normal sort order uh, so if we take a quick look at the settings menu, uh, we've got a please read this before playing. Uh, so I guess it's going to be some kind of disclaimer. Yep, so there we go. So we've got a health warning and then also it's got a link to a menu. There is, uh, sorry, a manual. Um, so you've got some language settings uh, so you can change the locale of the console. So we've got game settings so we can set up the screen settings uh, so we can have it on uh, kind of like... Um, zoomed uh, full 16 by 9 or we've got the 4 by 3 i've got it on the 4 by 3 setting at the moment uh, there's also a button here see which does crt filters um, so you can put those on if you want to um, I'm quite happy without those at the moment um, then you've got wallpaper settings so this does um, puts a different kind of wallpaper in the background when you're playing the game because obviously if you've got it in 4x3 and you've got the rest of the screen is blank um, you can put a, a different wallpaper behind the screen that's quite a cool one looks like a, a CRT wallpaper I think I'm going to choose that one that looks rather cool um, um, so let's go back uh, so you've got sound settings and then the setting for the mode button on the six button pad so you can set that to quick open so that opens up uh, the emulation menu uh, from the middle of the game um, you can press that one or hold for one second hold for three th seconds and then uh, you can hold the start button and it will off so I'm guessing that will turn the uh, Mega Drive 2 Mini off I guess uh, so that's it for the uh, game settings then you've got credits legal notices and then you've got a reset back to factory settings uh, so that's the menu 
so yeah that's that's pretty much it for the menus uh plays a nice little tune in the background uh so like i say you can change the settings change the sort order um and uh, obviously go through and select a game if you want which is probably what we'll do next so first up we've got uh one of the new games so this was never released so as it says this game never saw the light of day and this is dev and pie uh, and it's when taro and hanko get turned into paddles it's up to you to save the angel pie whilst dodging the demonic devi's attacks play solo two-player co-op uh, or a single-player game so let's have a quick look at this one then so this one's uh, all Japanese, so it never got a, uh, a translation by the looks. Um, so this is essentially, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like a puzzler. Um, uh, you start off where you've got um, uh, some two paddles at the top of the screen um, and you control them by using left and right and button a and button b so here i'm just using the paddle um, and i'm hitting i think it's devi i think it is um, and he bounces across the screen and the idea is is to knock that block in the middle of the screen and uh, you hit it so many times you bounce so many devis into the block and it releases pi um, so that's the first level once you've completed the first level you then get um, some um, pies that you have to save by using the top paddle on the screen and that is um, when you're using uh, a and b on the controller um, so the third level uh, so i've just cleared the round there so the third level after that is when it really gets difficult because then it mixes it up you have to use both paddles at the same time to do the two different dynamics so you have to use the bottom paddle left and right um, to bounce devi and then you have to catch the pies with the top paddle using the a and b button um, it really becomes very very confusing very very quickly um so yeah that's that's dev and pie right so there's something i need to sort out here when i was over with eric in california uh, eric bought the jvc xi uh, which uh, as you may or may not know he's covered on the show recently did a little youtube video so i'd recommend watching that i'll put a link up to this uh, into the description um, so the jvc xi is a essentially it's a genesis or a mega drive and a mega cd or sega cd all in one nice neat little unit so while i was over there we were testing the jvc xi uh, we got it all working and one of the games that we tried was sonic cd now um i've played this games many many times over the years um and i was quite surprised by something in the in the american version the the sega cd version the music and the intro to the game in terms of all the all the sound and all that sort of stuff is completely different 
now i want to know what you guys think is better me personally i guess it's what i grew up with what i kind of know um i prefer the the i don't know whatever it is the european and possibly the japanese version of the game uh, i don't know whether the japanese game has got different intro music or not but anyway the 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 european version and the uh, american version have completely different music and it threw me re- for a loop when i when i um first saw it when when we got it up and working on the xi so anyway let's first start off in this one we can choose the european version or the us version so let's go in with the us version and let's um just go through the intro sequence on uh, each version and just please comment below and let me know what you think is better so here we go with the us version So that was the music on the title screen. Here's the intro video, and it's exactly the same music. So that's the American version. Um, it just obviously goes on much the same so let's um load up the european version and see what you think of that one so here we go then this is the european version that i'm more used to so different title screen music and now here's the intro music So what do you think? Do you think the European, British, possibly Japanese version or the American version? What do you reckon? Please uh, comment below or email me at podcast at pixelguiden.com or get in contact with us on twitter and let me know i think personally this one is the winner it just seems to fit better with the uh, video and all that sort of stuff anyway there we go that's sonic cd
Next up then is Virtual Racer. This is one of my personal favourites on the Mega Drive or Genesis. Uh, this is the uh, version for the Mega Drive, obviously, or Genesis, and this has the uh, SVP in it, the Sega Virtual Processor, or at least the cartridge did, um, and that was what was uh, made this game really good uh, because it enhanced the uh, vector graphics on uh, the Mega Drive, so it give it better calculations for um, uh, moving around uh, the vectors a lot quicker and obviously able to map textures onto those um, so basic rudimentary uh, colors and that sort of stuff yeah this is a great racer um, i enjoy this one an awful lot uh, well worth checking out if you do get the mega drive 2 mini now from a racer to a platformer this is rye star um you are a star funnily enough <laughs> with arms and legs was it anthropomorphic or something like that i can't remember what exactly what cody calls it anyway uh you are a uh, star he has very long leg uh long arms um and he can stretch out and grab things this is handy when you need to uh jump from platform to platform or uh grab onto um stairs and that sort of thing to to climb up um if you're watching the video this is my awful gameplay of this game i'm uh, not great at it i must admit uh, but it's absolutely beautiful lovely uh, graphics um i think they kind of wanted to pitch this as, as another mascot to go along with uh, for sega along with sonic um but um never really took off this one but nonetheless it's a brilliant game and well worth checking out and last up is the classic side-scrolling beat-em-up, uh, Streets of Rage 3. I could not not include this. Eric wouldn't have forgiven me if I didn't put a Streets of Rage into a Mega Drive or Genesis video. Um, so here it is, Streets of Rage 3. Uh, I think uh, pretty much most people know this one by now. Uh, the Streets of Rage series games on the, on the Mega Drive are absolutely fantastic. Um, brilliant graphics, uh, great sound, uh, just a, a blast to play. Um, so yeah there it is streets of rage 3 um and that's just a quick run through of some of the games that you've got on the mega drive 2 mini so that's it for this edition of tea time with tim and my unboxing of the sega mega drive mini hope you enjoyed it um, and looking at a few of the games that are included with it um, as always uh, you can uh, find us on pixelguiden.com for the actual podcast itself that comes out every two weeks normally on the 15th and the 30th of each month um, you can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com and also if you're watching on on the uh, youtube channel on the videos um, you can always leave us a comment below we'd always like to hear your feedback until the next time thanks a lot bye all right eric thank you tim for that amazing look into the sega genesis mini 2 which i have yet to hear <laughs> right. so at this point i'm looking forward to hearing what 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 uh, tim has to say about it i really do want one have not ordered it, it and the, the primary reason eric is if i have so amazon has it but you have to buy it through amazon america even though it ships from japan still and there's like a 25 dollar uh shipping fee so at that point it's like 135 plus tax 150 bucks to right. get one of those over here for that price i can buy a sega cd which i don't actually own yet and i'd rather have real hardware I, I totally hear you. And plus, around the holidays, buying anything right now is kind of a 
you know, yeah. kind of a stretch. So I, I, I may, I may hold off on that. But the problem with these minis that I'm seeing is that if you wait too long, you don't get them. I know, I know. But my my issue with the previous ones are I never had a chance to get them because he had to pre-order them, and I'm not going to pre-order them. I don't believe right. in pre-ordering; it's against my religion. That's right. I, I, I'm, not, like I'm not a fan of it either. <laughs> in fact, I just had the issue with some Evercade stuff. But we'll talk about that next episode when we catch up. Uh, until Eric, we need to play a quick game of drink the beer. My um, favorite game. <laughs> yeah. So you and I have completely different beers this time. That is because I got back from my vacation yesterday. Yeah. Uh, didn't, didn't have time to buy stuff and get with you. Also, uh, didn't even think about when, when I said we would record tonight. My wife and I agreed after seven uh, debaucherous days in New Orleans yeah. that we wouldn't drink for a week. Oh, and no. this is day one of that, and I'm going to break it right now. <laughs> I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. Well, you know what? You gotta you gotta make some exceptions because Doug at um, at uh, Amy West handed me two beautiful large bottles of beer. That oh yes, forgot yes. That we need to drink, and we didn't see each other before this episode, so it, it, they're still sitting in my uh, refrigerator. So we need to do that before next recording, or. If that doesn't work out, we'll need to do it next month for sure. Yeah, no, we'll find a way to, to get together and make that happen. Good call. Gonna, Good call. I'm going to open mine, but I'm going to let you reveal yours first there. Well, not the most exciting thing in the world, but I'm sure a lot of people haven't tried it. Uh, it is getting colder, Eric. In fact, our fireplace has been running 24-7 for about two weeks now. Yeah. Just burning wood. Uh, luckily, I got a whole bunch of uh, log splitting in right before the rain started. And uh, my parents watched our girls here, so they were burning wood. Now we're burning wood. Anyways, uh, it's been, you know, below freezing at night here. In fact, we got snow up just up the hill this last week. Wow. So I'm in a porter mood. Um, I happen to have one of these in my my beer fridge. It's a Black Butte porter. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. It's spelled Black Butt with an E at the end. Yeah. Yeah. from Bend, Oregon, from Deschutes Brewery, which is a good brewery. They make some good stuff. They make great stuff. Uh, that's one of the ones, uh, I, man, I've been drinking Deschutes Brewery stuff for decades now. I mean, they're they're awesome. That is great. I, and for me, like the seasons are changing too, so I grabbed something that isn't quite a porter yet, but it is a, it is called FRB Brown. Okay, yeah. FRB Brown, and that is from Fort Rock Brewing Company in Rancho Cordova, which is a town, uh, what is it, uh, east of Sacramento? Sacramento, yeah. Uh, We've had a couple of their beers. They always have plaid on their cans. They're good-looking cans. Yeah, the plaid, and my wife noticed that when I had it in the fridge. She was like, oh, I really like that design, and it's it's a cool design, but this is a great American beer festival silver medal winner. It'd make a great sweater vest. Yeah, exactly. But this is just a typical brown ale, so I'm going to try it out, and we'll see if I like it. So, Eric, cheers. Cheers. Ah, yes, yes. I've had many of these. I drink a lot of these in... Is it in college? No, right after college. A lot of... This is a, this is a disc golf beer. I played a lot of disc golf. <laughs> drinking, nice. drinking black hockey, porters. hacky sack and disc golf that was cody's oh yeah <laughs> i never did hacky sack well i know i take it back i did that in middle school but anyway that's another story yeah but yeah um 
did a lot of disc golf, and this is a very um, full-flavored beer. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's one of those beers where you take a sip, and it's so there's so much going on that you can't taste anything until it kind of like opens up on your, in your mouth. Yeah. After you take a sip, and it's really heavy with like coffee and nuts. Being like ro- and roasted and roasted. <laughs> <laughs> so, like in middle school, I played hacky sack as well, and I also drank a ton of beer. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love. Uh, so, I mean, I'll be able to talk about your beer too because I love that beer. We get it all the time. It's one of my wife's favorite ones too. It's um, but yeah, this one is 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 great, and it's a brown ale. And that's about what you can say about a brown ale. And when I went through a little period of time where I was making my own beer, mm-hmm. I made a lot of brown ales because they're easy to make. <laughs> and they're good. They're, and, they're, yeah. and, and they're good and they're hard to screw up. Although I did screw up a few batches and they were horrible. But this one is actually really good. It's, it, if you want just a, main, like a mainstream, nothing fancy, nothing crazy brown ale, this one is right up your alley. This tastes great. There we go. Uh, episode 94, Eric, out of, out of 94 episodes of Pixel Guide N, where are you going to give that bad boy? I'm going to give this one a solid 78. 78. Nice. Nice. 78 I'm out of 94. A little higher. I'm going to give this one 82. Good. Yeah, that one, that one deserves it. Perfect. Uh, Eric, beers in hand. Uh, my mind is almost back from vacation. Good. <laughs> so... Let's go ahead and jump right into the news. Reporting the news! Alright, our first news item today is one that I have. Sven Krasser. Um, we talked about, you talked about one of his games, Eric, even though I put it on my news item. Cab Hustle. Yep. Um, which is a Commodore 64 game that you were interested in because a lot like Space Taxi. That's a lot like um, Space Taxi, a little bit like uh, uh, Crazy Taxi. Um, supposed to be a pretty cool game on the Commodore 64, but from what I read, you could only get it when you ordered. Uh, it was a Zap cover disc, which is very cool. Uh, Zap yes. ZZ APP 64 is a a European or a, is it European or British? I guess it's British specifically, but yeah. Um, uh, Commodore 64 magazine that's been re uh, started recently, and they always had cover disc games. So this one was included, and that was absolutely awesome. Except we had no way to get it here in the states, Eric. That's right. Um, I guess we. I don't know. Even when I order my my retro video game magazines, you don't get the goodies over here. You only get them when you buy them at the newsstands over there, I think. But he went ahead and wrote to us, that is Sven Krasser, because he's a good guy and he listens to the show. And he wanted to make sure that we knew it is now available on itch.io. Go to... Oh, how am I going to spend this? Go to itch.io and look up Cab Hustle, and it'll pop out. How about that? (laughs) I don't want to try to spell out that whole thing. Uh, It is a free download, but as we always say here, if you like it, go ahead and click the download button again, because you have the option to leave uh, some some dollars for the game. And you should. I mean, this one looks like it's... I I haven't played it yet, i got to admit. I mean, when he said that, I was very happy, but I, I just have been so busy. I haven't downloaded this, but this is going to be one I download in the next week or two for sure. Um. 
it looks awesome. I'm gonna def. I, I'm sure I'll be paying for this. Um, so I did download it. Um, oh, you did. Perfect. Okay. I downloaded it, loaded it right up, started playing it. Uh, it does say when you download it, if you read the manual, that it's best played on a PAL Commodore 64, although it will play um, on an uh, American uh, okay. NTSC. Yeah. I did do it on the NTSC. I do want to get out the PAL to see what the difference is. Uh, it seemed to play pretty well for me. Uh, it's it's kind of like you said. It's, uh, it's crazy taxi, but with multiple flip screens. Yeah. So it might say go to pad 27. You got to go through five screens, find pad 27, and go there. Um, there's some some changes. You are a. It looks like a paper airplane that you kind of land on the tips of the paper airplane. Yeah. Um, but I haven't. So I, when I first played, I wasn't understanding how you know where to go. Um, I don't think there was any speech like there is in Crazy Taxi or uh, <laughs> Space Taxi, which yeah. helps because you know it says pad two, please. Uh, so I had to kind of learn. I had to read the manual and figure out. Uh, down below, the little HUD down below gives you all the information you need. You just have to look at it a lot. So okay. I'm going to have to load it back up again and play a proper game, which I have not done yet. But um, very awesome. cool. Very very Commodore 64 brown and grays. Yes, in, and I appreciate the, Sven reaching out to us. That was really yeah, awesome. In the best ways, in the best ways. And hopefully you can help him feel appreciated by downloading the game and maybe throwing a few bucks his way. That's, again, Cab Hustle on the Commodore 64. Nice. I'll take this next one from Tim. He says there's a playable demo of a new racer coming on Steam real soon called SP Grand Prix by at Rozbozzy, which is R-O-Z-Z-B-O-Z-Z-Y on Twitter. I don't know who that is, but um, I do like a good Grand Prix game. So let's ch- hopefully we can find some kind of screen draw on that to take a look yeah i'm pulling um, up the twitter link right now which by the way you can always check out all the stuff in our show notes eric yes. does a, a marginal job of getting those set up no i'm kidding you do a good job <laughs> what <laughs> i just cut and paste them so. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i wish you didn't because i'd put a little more effort into getting them correct right <laughs> uh here we go though wow it's actually a lot more high tech than i than i was expecting yeah, it almost looks a little bit like Virtua Racer, but with more rounded edges and much higher frame rate. Much, much, much higher frame rate. Yeah, it's very, it's very stylistic, though. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks like it's going to be great. It's, it's always interesting to me. This is kind of follows that I talked about it a few episodes ago. The modern way of showing off a game, which is to do like these. Um, music video type cutscenes, or make it look like a movie. Yeah. But I, even though I see this as the engine probably running the thing, I don't see gameplay. Like, what does my view look like? What am I doing? Right. I don't. I'm not a fan of that. I, I when I when I watch game previews or I, I'm looking for gameplay. I want to see videos of gameplay. That's just. Yeah. A, yeah. I don't want to see fancy, like you're saying, like a, it's almost like a rock video or something. I don't want to see that. So, but I, that game does look pretty cool. SP Grand Prix. Yes, keep an eye on it. I'll be taking keeping an eye on it. Hey, so this is one. I, I don't know if neat. you saw this or not, but there is a version of Mindstorm now on Pico Eight, and I did download this on my Steam Deck, and boy, this is really cool. I mean, so to make sure people know, Mindstorm is the built-in game and arguably the best original game on the Vectrex system, which is the little wireframe-based all-in-one video game system from 1981? 80? 1980? Something right around there. Um, 
this is I mean, even if you don't like Mindstorm, this is such a cool looking uh, D make of of a Vectrex game. And I did play it and it plays like (laughs) I mean, it plays like Mindstorm. Um, Obviously, there's the geometry is different on the screen, so it's not an exact clone or anything like that. But I played it for a good maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, and I loved it. It was a, It's a very cool little pick-up-and-play game on Pico 8. Uh, I hope this continues where they make more and more of the Vectrex games as D makes uh, on here. Now, this guy's not even playing. Or, or you, you just started this game, right? Oh, you're just right. A- I, I forget that I'm supposed to be playing right now because it's built into my web browser. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. I was like, oh, hey, 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 there I was like this now- person really sucks, but this is you playing it. Yeah. I, I was about <laughs> to say, uh, I was about to say, um, I can't remember what I was about to say. I wish I could play it. I haven't played it yet. And I realized, oh, wait, I'm literally playing it right now. I haven't just started yet. So ah! for people that don't know Mindstorm, you explained that it's a, the built-in game on Vectrex. It's a lot like Asteroids, but Better. there aren't Asteroids. There's just these things that are kind of like triangles or what do you call those? Like, I don't know. Yeah, they're like three uh, triangles. I'll call them triangles. You want to call them cool triangles, that, but, but they're they're flying around and they're you you need to shoot them. There's spaceships that fly by like an asteroid to try to shoot you. Um, you have hyperspace, so you can hit another button and you can sling to another spot in the screen. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the um, as you play more and more of these quote unquote asteroids, these ships or whatever will have different character traits like these. Four-sided ones shoot at you, directly at you. There's another one that they'll hunt you down. There's another one that uh, they just do different things. You kind of got to get used to it. Now, I will have to say, I'm going to argue with you on one point, which is yep. the Pico 8, I believe, is much more powerful than Vectrix. So I would call this a port. It can't be demade to a more powerful system, can it? <laughs> when the graphics are no longer wireframe, they had to become raster graphics. And yeah. they have this cool overlay. But I, I think this is a... It's a port. <laughs> sure. Oh, cool. I just uh, uh, teleported. Ports are, ports are trying to be... Yeah, I mean, it's probably, <laughs> you're right, it's probably closer to a port than... I'm just being technical. Anyway, yep. it's awesome. It is it's really awesome. cool. It's awesome, and if, you, and if you've listened to the show, you know that we're big fans of the Pico 8 fantasy console gaming system. And the Vectrix. And the Vectrex. So this is this is right in our wheelhouse. And like I said, I hope they make more. This is fun. It would be really cool. Have you ever seen the arcade uh, collection on Pico 8, Cody? I forget what it's called. But it's one download, but it has like 30 arcade games in it that you can pick. Um, um, I don't know. Yeah, so there is one of those, and it's it's handy, and it's fun. What would be really cool is if they had one of those with all just Vectrex games. That would be, that really would be cool. cool. The Vectrex pack. Exactly. So anyway, that's it. Cool. Mindstorm Pico. But I'm playing it, so I want to keep talking so I can keep playing. <laughs> you got really, the next cool. one. Um, this is another uh, person who reached out, which was pretty cool. Uh, I had talked, this was a while ago, and this is about a much older episode. Um, but I had talked about how I played the game Yazi on the yeah. MSX, which is kind of a puzzle platformer. Yeah. And I talked about how I loved it, and it was great. The only problem with it was a little too short. And uh, many, many months later, SD Snatcher on Twitter reached out to me and t- made sure I knew that uh, Yazzie had a final remastered version. It was only uh, shortly after I'd played it, honestly, that this came out, but I just never knew about it till now. And this final remastered version has many other enhancements as well as 10 more levels. So I need to go back and play through it all over again. 
to play the new 10 levels and see what else they've done to it. So that was a, a great MSX game that came out, I think, I, a little over a year ago, year and a half remember, ago. I remember when it came out, and I do remember the gameplay, and it was pretty pretty great. So I'm looking forward to that. For sure, for sure. Tim's got this one. Do you want to read this, Eric? Sure. Ricky Sickinger, who is one of the creators of the fantastic Rogue 64 and who are now working on Rogue Craft, the follow-up for the Amiga, has posted a blog about writing Rogue 64. The blog goes into detail about how the game came about when the start with the starter Rogue 4K and developed from there. Well worth a read while we wait for Rogue Craft to come out. Um I, I'm, I am looking forward to this. I do love Rogue games and Rogue 64. If you remember, Tim got us the physical copies of that. And I think I, I, it's a great Rogue for the Commodore 64. I loved playing it. I have it sitting right here next to me on the shelf uh, with the physical thing. So when the when Rogue Craft comes out on the Amiga, I'm really going to be looking into it. And I, I do hope that it's a quite a... I, I hope it's different than Rogue 64 because the Amiga can do so much more. I'm just looking forward. I, I hope it, I hope it's a little bit more, I guess Robust. enhanced would be the right word. Yeah. More to do. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of games, uh, people will do a 64 version and it's fair, fair enough. They've got the game design, everything down. So they're like, I want to try my hand at porting it to the Amiga so I can learn the Amiga. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. Obviously for more power to them, but obviously as a consumer of those things, I don't need to play it again. If it's on the Amiga, I'm not going to play it again just because it's got shinier graphics. I'm on a, I would love to see a, 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 you know, a sequel on the Amiga or something to that effect. Yeah. Correct. That's a good way to put it. A sequel that has new stuff in it, but is is themed the same, but a different game. Yeah, I hope that's the case here. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I found this. Um, trying to get back to some console news here. We've been very, uh, very British computer heavy. Um, there is a new mod out for the classic Super Nintendo game, Star Fox. And it is a, a hack, so it is a file that you can use to mod your existing file, which means, if I'm not mistaken, Nintendo can't go after this guy and shut it down because he's not producing a game. It's just a mod file. Um, you have to provide your own separate you know, ROM file and attach mm-hmm. it to it. Right. Nonetheless, I'll play the video here. It's called Star Fox EX. I guess it means extra. There's more to take here. Anyways, they added so many cool modes and take full advantage of the Super FX chip. So not only are you playing um, a game built on the Star Fox engine, that is looks like it does look like Star Fox. There's maps in here. There's cameos for like those are big Metroids. Fifteen new levels, and these new levels are doing crazy things with like. Um, I don't know if you played the original Star Fox, it's pretty stunted and it actually doesn't really hold up well. Mm-hmm. But now we're doing things on here that uh, look like 32x style, much more involved, moving pillars, big old walking creatures. Um, you can actually do some things. Actually, here it shows you some some cool features it allows you to do. Um, so they add wireframe mode. They add. Uh, customizable ships, so not just the standard Starbucks. You can do view 3D models of a lot of the characters in the game. Customize your crosshairs. Uh, no border mode, so it gets rid of the HUD. Full camera control, so you can actually change your views and play the game from not just that over-the-shoulder view of original, but other other areas. Yeah. Um, it just it's it's 
bigger and cooler and more exciting, and it plays on a real Super Nintendo. So if you have a, um, like I do, a, a one of the carts that play the Super FX games, yeah, which, which not all not all carts do. My original one didn't. I sold that one. That was the what is that called? The UFO Eight. Mm-hmm. I sold that one so I could buy a real uh, EverDrive. Yeah, and it does it does do uh, the uh, FS fx chip games super fx chip you can download this mod attach it to a starfox file and play this updated um crazy cool version of starfox with a lot more new stuff that's insane that that's a rom hack i mean that looks like just a whole new game there's so much right. there's so many new things in there that's insane i mean there's stuff on here that i mean i i, I didn't even read it all but it's actually 17 new levels at this point new bosses Music, new backgrounds, new enemies, a three-plus page pre-game menu to customize your experience. You can play it now with the SNES mouse, with the Super Scope, with an NGT data pad. I don't even know what that is. Right. Play multi- multiplayer, multi-tap somehow. Two, three, four, or five people. Uh, you can play with teammates that are AI. I mean, they've just done everything to this. It is insane. Wow. So, I yeah, mean, I, Star Fox isn't a game that I would say is one of my favorites but this makes me want to go back and play it <laughs> it makes a new game yeah i i even as a kid when i remember playing this a lot of people were blown away by it and i never felt the need to play it but uh and then i went back recently and tried it and it it was kind of too dated yeah but this this un undates it <laughs> right so i really played it not that long it. ago for the show for some reason i remember there was some segment or something on we rail shooters it. or something Something and so I and I had never played Star Fox because I just wasn't interested in it and I played it yeah. and I enjoyed it but you're right it, it doesn't hold up well today the frame rate was super low yeah a couple other things yeah exactly cool. I'm very curious to hear about this one Eric yeah so I did pixel guided investigative reporting so dun 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 dun, dun hard hitting news with Eric P. exactly. So what I did was I I got sick of hearing nothing about WrestleQuest, okay? So and this Real is quick, a game Wrestle- that Yeah. This is a game we've talked about multiple times on the show. This is going to be a game by Mega Cat Studios that is going to be an RPG based in the the wrestling world, which I think is so such a cool idea. Um it's going to be an RPG with uh turn-based combat. Uh, so it, it just looks amazing. And I've been waiting and all in the verbiage on their website for the longest time for, I think a couple of years or a year, at least their website has said summer 2022. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here watching the leaves change in color <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, dude, this isn't coming out. So I'm, I'm, I'm really chomping at the bit. So I, I went on, I joined their discord and I go into the wrestle quest forum and i'm looking and there is it's crickets in there no one is saying anything the only people are chiming in saying hey when is this game coming out i can't find anything something smelled wrong and the man for the task was eric nelson that's right so like i went on to just google not gaming websites i went on google and i looked for wrestlequest and there was hundreds of different articles i started to pour through them and i found this off the wall wrestlingnews.co website, which just talks about <laughs> wrestling news, like you're getting into the heart of games. the yeah. And I found a guy that um, his name's Jeff Jarrett. I, I guess he's a wrestler. I don't follow wrestling anymore. I did when I was a kid, and I really enjoyed it. But if you look down in this article, 
he, if, if you'll scroll down on that one a little bit, he said in this article where he talked about just wrestling in general, but then he, as a side note, he said, WrestleQuest is being released Q1. That's going to be a whole big thing. I think we're up to 13 awards. No kidding. I'm just a small part of the deal. Man, it's crazy. I'm saying this, but it's literally taken the video game market by storm. <laughs> so he, I don't, I don't think he was supposed to leak that. So he leaked it that it's going to be Q1 because Mega Cat Studios wasn't, well, they weren't saying anything. So once I read that, I went to the WrestleQuest Discord went into the forum and said, hey, guys, because everyone in there is like, oh, man, it's not out yet. And and Mega Cat Studios isn't saying anything, which I think does a disservice to the people that really are chomping at the bit for this. I think you need which to Which is be, funny because you and I are chomping at the bit, but we're not wrestling fans. No, we're not. But it looks so good. Yeah. So, so I, listen, I like Mega Cat Studios, but they should be more communicative about when this is going to come out. So anyway, and I don't know if this is a coincidence, Cody. Maybe I'm placing too much, you know, value on my importance here. Yeah, no. But the minute I posted that, right here. The minute I posted that, the next day, I start seeing all these things pop up saying WrestleQuest launches in May 2023. (laughs) Now, is May the May isn't the first quarter? Is it? I think it's second quarter. April, May. That's yeah. That's the fifth month, my friend. Yep. So. So maybe the information I got was wrong or they wanted to actually release it. I think it was because of me, Cody. I think I'm going to go with you. My hard hitting journalism really started to, you know, hit at the core of the truth here. Eric, your hard hitting um, journalism was Googling something. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, come on, man. Um, Dude, no one else was doing it. Um, so anyway, uh, so I got so the answer is the cool thing is it's May 2023, and that looks like what the day it's going to be. That, that's just too long for me. I want this now, but uh, at least I know. If I know, then I'm happy. Um, it was just the waiting that sucked. So there you go. So now, what, Quest, you have, what you haven't broke yet? If this guy was spilling the beans on accident, because I'm looking at this 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 uh, press announcement that you showed me here. Yeah. And it talks about, first of all, it's releasing on PlayStation 5 and 4, both Xboxes, Switch, PC, and Steam. Yeah, May 2023, developed by Mega Cat Studios. And it starts talking about how you're going to wrestle with Destiny and take a hero's journey and your idols await, you know, drawing inspiration from wrestling icons. Um, oh, it does mention here, Jake the Snake Roberts, Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> Andre the Giant. So they have licensed, well, I guess... I guess they're not licensed. Those are just personalities, right? They're kind of wrestlers are kind of freelance, right? If they want to take their talents to a different league, they can. I think they can, but I think, I think you do have to get permission to to use their likeness. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So that's what this guy was mentioning back back to the first story with uh, Jeff Jarrett here. Yeah. Starts talking about how you know this is not a simulation game like Madden Football or, or something like that. It's storytelling. Uh, he talks about Andre the Giant, Macho Man, the Road Warriors, Jake, and so on and on. So I guess there'll be a lot more. Yeah. He says it's a Japanese role-playing game, so it's going to be a really cool game. Interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. So about anyway, it. I found that I found out some new news, which I was happy about. So that's why I put it in our news. We're breaking it. Well, we didn't break it. These websites did. <laughs> yeah. I know. Eric. Eric made it happen. I made it happen. Um, 
Cool. I did some investigative reporting. No, I did not. I Googled stuff as well. <laughs> uh, there's a new game out that I'm just not. So maybe here's my I'm breaking. I want to say I'm breaking the news because there is a game out that I'm not hearing about anywhere okay. except for the fact that I happen to be on the mailing list and they reached out to me. Oh, cool. Um, and I don't understand why not. I've not seen it anywhere. Yeah, maybe I did see it on. I don't know where I saw it. I think they just reached out to me. Anyways, this game uh, was released this month. Um, actually, I think it was October 29th. But if you remember, I, I absolutely, on my ZX Spectrum, I on the 128K ZX Spectrum, I played Delta Star. Um, not Delta Star. What am I forgetting here? Sorry. Now I'm trying to, now I may have to go back a step here so I can remember what I'm talking about before I pretend I... Um, I played Red Raid. I also okay. played, but the one I was talking about that blew my mind away was the first of all, Aliens Neoplasma. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you remember me sh- showing you this this Aliens game that was like a Metroidvania. Yep. Absolutely amazing. I think it was my game of the year for uh, for a new game on an old system. Uh, Castlevania Spectral Interlude. I played that one. Yeah. Um, that game was also made by this 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 uh, developer here. Uh, they have a bunch of games that are just amazing, amazing games. Um, and they are ZX Online or ZX Online. Um, and they are, I'm not sure, I don't know if they're Polish or what. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but you can put the, uh, maybe they're Czechoslovakian? I, I'm not sure. I apologize for not knowing. Uh, but they work worldwide uh, no exclusions so keep that in mind anyways i was on the mailing list for buying some of their other games and they have a new game out called uh Vradark's revenge now this game first of all is a zx spectrum next game so i'm not sure why it's not posted everywhere because all these people are are chomping that bit for next games so it's a new next game there's not many out there, uh, so anytime one comes out, you'd think everyone should know about it and be obsessed with it. Right. Not to mention that if you look at some video of this game, oh my goodness, it looks cool. Let me play some of this for you. Oh, wow. Um, I can see the screenshot there already there. There you go. Look at this thing. So it's like a, almost like a top-down twin-stick shooter. I mean, it definitely looks... A lot of game, next games have never looked like true 16-bit. This looks true 16-bit. Like, it looks like it could be a Super Nintendo game or a, a Genesis game, something like that. It's a, kind of a twin-stick RPG shooter. Twin-stick shooter RPG, where you're a yeah. little wizard and you have shoot different spells and, and things. Uh, all the enemies have little life bars that have the, above their heads. You're in like these ancient ruins in this part. There's fire and... Um, there's a walking skeleton and a moving like mace that you have to dodge. And I'm just kind of showing you what I see here. Here you're in like a crypt with like skulls everywhere. Um, and little corridors and, but it's not, it's not twin stick. It's actually apparently uses a mouse. So it's a ZX spectrum next game using the W a S D WASD for controls and your mouse to to point and shoot. Oh, that's cool. And it's a big old RPG and it looks gorgeous and it's only seven euros. So I think it's like 10 bucks. Um, absolutely cool and need to get myself to download it. So yeah. check it out by going to zxonline.net and check out their new game, Vradark's Revenge. It looks to me like, uh, all, I mean, it's fantasy, but like this kind of perspective of almost like a, um, 
zombies ate my neighbors. Like you're running around, you're shooting things. Kind of. You're doing things. I mean, kind of a little bit. Um, no, if I could ever, if I would ever get my next, because <laughs> I'm in the second batch and I'm still waiting for that. Uh, I would love this, but I can play this on my Mister too, so I might actually get it. That looks That's good. True. That looks so great. here's the thing. Here's the thing that makes me wonder why, uh, and makes me think that nobody's known about this or no one's doing much about it. Uh, if you go on here, you can download the demo for free. Okay. It's been downloaded eleven times apparently. Yeah, that doesn't right? sound right. So I'm like, maybe everyone's just buying it, right? So I go down to how many times it's actually been purchased. The actual full game has been downloaded nine times. That's not enough for a game that looks That's that not good. Enough. No. So um can be run with a ZX Spectrum Next machine with firmware 22.09 or newer. Anyways, I need to get it. It looks amazing. Yeah. I might try to get this up and running on my, on my, uh, my mister. Cool. I'll go ahead and I'll read this one from Tim. Yeah. Not sure if you mentioned it last month, but Beam Rider, the great early Atari 2600 shooter from Activision, has been ported to the Pico 8. We're loving the Pico 8 right now. By Paul Hammond uh, on Twitter. It's at Paul Ham X. Uh, a faithful and fun recreation for recre- recreation it is recreation for the Pico 8. And it's a free download from his itch.io page. Now I've always wondered, is it a free download or can we not just use the uh the search tool within pico 8 you should be able to use the search tool i'm sure this is just so that you can get um given props or whatever but paul hammond makes some great games on the pico 8 uh i i don't want to make a fool of myself but i think he makes the um i'm not even gonna say it because uh, I don't remember the <laughs> you title fool! right now. You're a fool. I know. I recognize his name. I know he makes a ton of them. So, oh, look at that. It's very smooth. It is. I'm playing it again right now. This time I remember that I can play Pico 8 games live on my computer while we're recording. Yeah. One thing, if people don't know this on Pico 8 games, you can play them within the Pico 8 software, which is kind of like a fantasy console front end. But you can also embed these games in HTML and just play them right on the website. Absolutely. Very cool. So, no, this looks fantastic. Looks like Beam Rider. I've never gotten really into a game of Beam Rider, but it is a really cool game that yeah. was kind of ahead of its time looking back then. Yes, definitely. It's like you're on a grid and uh, moving left and right. It's almost like a shoot 'em up Yeah. So, I don't know if you've heard of this game, um, but this there is a new Amiga game um, that I think is out now called Aquabis. Now, if you pull this up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This game is probably not for everyone. You know, this isn't like an action arcade style game. This is, I think, more of a, I don't know how to explain this, kind of a. It's its own thing. To me, it's almost like playing a solo board game. Exactly. Like a board game. If you think think of Sid Meier's Pirates or... um, freelancer or something like that like it, it, it it's a throwback to those games um god the, the description's escaping me right now i i know of a couple games that would be right up its alley but yeah it's more like a board game where you set specific settings and conditions and then you let the game play and then you change those settings on the fly but this game is so stylistic you don't see games like this anymore because it's just easier to write arcade games you know arcade games that are 
fun but action oriented and you can play over and over again this one's more of a strategic kind of uh in-depth game that you could imagine getting like back in the day with a big thick manual and reading through it and deciding you know the the type of moves you want to make and it just looks really really cool and yeah i i want to check it out it's got lots of browns and tans but ultimately you're like um, looking at all these details of your submarine, I guess you're driving, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're basically making decisions to guide your submarine around. Um, you have information about your motor, your hull, uh, where your locations are. In this case, it looks like they're going to, to Paris. Um, again, I don't know enough about it. There's money, there's trading, there's a shipyard, there's, um, I, I mean, I can't even tell all the things you do. Cargo. So maybe it's almost like a trading game where almost like elite to a point where you're going from port to port, buying things, reselling things. I don't entirely know. You're meeting people. There's a bar you can go to to talk to people. It's so cool. It's so cool that it's just you just don't see games like this being made anymore. So I I, I love this. I mean, this would be a game I could I think I could see myself really getting into. Um, so I'm going to do a little more research before I put my hard earned money down, but. It, very steampunk looking. It's it is very steampunk looking. You're that is correct. And uh, if you scroll down a little bit, is there a does it say what kind of Amiga it runs on? <laughs> yep, there we go. Uh, yep. So the minimum hardware required to run the game is an Amiga sixty eight thousand, which is all That's of it. Them. Yeah, yeah. So two, two megabit chip, eight megabit fast RAM, fifteen megabits free hard drive space. Yep. Uh, it says, however, we do not recommend playing it on a sixty eight hundred or 68,000 CPO, unless you have a great deal of patience and are desperate. So I guess you they, you would rather have a, a 68020 or whatever, or 68030 or something, a little, little, little higher end. But Yep. I think this looks great, though. I, I do think that I eventually... Really, this would be a perfect winter game. You know what I mean? Like grabbing a nice little porter, chilling there out, you go. And, get, and diving right into this game. I think it would be fun. I really want to dig into it. So by the way, it is... Uh, looks like 30 euros each now it does say there's a certain amount in stock so is that physical that might, physical that's a great price i think that is physical click on it and see yeah because it says excluding vat which is like the tax to ship things yep there's got to be know, a download for this one, though. If you're buying a digital version of the game which is open status what does that mean it means that you're game will be deployed or developed all the time new content content will be added bugs will be corrected so you're basically buying a beta yeah pretty Um, much but you can play it now yeah it's a spicy meatball i'm not gonna lie it's like 40 bucks for a digital game that's not completed for uh for an amiga now that would be cool what i would love to do is spend something like that you get the game beta whatever but you do get shipped a nice color manual that runs you through all the things that a would be box cool. and a manual would be pretty sweet for that kind of uh for that for that price anyways i'm gonna keep my eye on it my eye on it it looks awesome it's weird that it says 125 available like they're trying to limit the digital downloaded copies right odd odd eric it's time for cody's news 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 of the weird 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 i've missed this segment let's do it I've only done it a couple of times, and last time there was only one item. This time I made sure to fill things up. Some of it's not even news. I just wanted to talk about weird stuff. Cool. So, step number one, uh, there was a recent NintendoLife.com article where they talked to the 
devs of um, the game Metroid Prime, which is apparently a, a very well-loved, amazing game. I've never actually played it yet, although I own it. Uh, I need to get to that. Anyways, there was a glitch, and if I understand it right, there was the first run of GameCubes, which there wasn't too many released, but had a, a specific CPU that they changed before they made the vast majority of the GameCubes. And Metroid Prime had a bug uh, that was creating glitches on that specific CPU. So they were trying to do some tricks with the CPU to figure out how to, to debug it and make that go away. So they had to change clock speeds and things. Um, but the only way they could do the dev to try to make it work was to actually go get one of those GameCubes that had the original CPU and it, like either overclock it or do something to it, but it was making it too hot. So they literally kept that GameCube in a freezer... <laughs> and they'd get the code ready, get it all loaded, and then someone would run to the freezer in the kitchen, pull it out, they'd plug it in, they'd have about 15 minutes to run diagnostics and run it through the, the new tests before it would glitch out again. Then they'd th- go and run it back to the freezer and wait an hour, then come back and do it again. They had to keep running this thing back and forth from the freezer. And yes, that is your you know semi-modern-day large dev team working for a professional company. Right. Putting GameCubes in the freezer to make it run. The guy's name is Jack Matthews. He talks about it on Twitter here. But if you guys want to check our show notes to hear more about that weird news. Now, here's an idea. Can... Maybe move uh-huh. your monitor and stuff and all that stuff into the kitchen <laughs> and run the wires out of the freezer so you could just keep running it while it sits in the freezer. Just an idea. A, 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 a drill with a drill bit and a bit of Sugru. And we exactly. can run it right, right into the freezer. Exactly. Uh, item number two, Eric. Let me click on this. This one is actually just a game that came out, and actually I wanted to talk about it the other day. Maybe I did it. Maybe I did talk about it, but one of my favorite games, Eric, is, as you know, Resident Evil 4. Everything about that game is brilliant, including the way you have to manage your inventory. When you pick up a gun or a, a plant that, turns, that you can make into medicine or anything in that game, you have to go into your inventory, into your cachet which can be a different size. They have small, medium, large. They have different shapes. And you have to physically play basically a little game of Tetris where you're trying to fit your your items with the correct size and shape of the grid and fit it into your cachet, which is only so large, right? Yeah. And it's actually really fun to do, even though it's a tedious task. Well, somebody would decide to actually take that whole thing and make an actual game out of it <laughs> where you're given inventory and you have these weird cachet-shaped uh containers and you have to fit things in there so you're flipping them left right inverting them just trying to fit them in there it even looks just like resident evil 4 uh and i'm showing you some of the pictures here so let's see if i can run through here's here's one with some fish and some brown eggs they're trying to fit into a weird shape so it's <laughs> quite literally becoming a puzzle based off the actual items you would find in resident evil 4 uh and they released the game unfortunately this reviewer again on nintendolife.com only gave it five out of ten review but if you wanted to download that, go ahead and do that. I would rather you just go actually buy Resident Evil 4, which is like 10 bucks now, and is probably my top 10 games of all time. Maybe top 5. Uh, item 3 on Cody's news, news, news of the weird, weird, weird. And I just found out about this. There's a game, and this is not the first game to do this, called Sakuna of Rice and Ruin. Uh, I think it is a Japanese-only PlayStation 4 game. And they recently came out with a bottle of sake based on the game. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I was reading down below this, and it says uh, in the past few years there have been uh, an increasing number of gaming-themed sakis. So apparently, uh, if you're looking for a Final Fantasy or Resident Evil sake, or in our case, it would look something like a bottle of uh, white wine, I guess. Maybe a whiskey. Uh, apparently that is something they do in Japan, and they, apparently they sell. So people are buying video game booze. Sounds like a good thing. I, I, have, I have no complaints about that. You know, video game and alcohol go, go well for us, Eric. They do. They do wonders. They do. The last thing I want to talk about, even though it's not technically news, but it's history of the weird. History of the weird, weird, weird. I wanted to bring this up. Now, I need to give kudos again to another podcast that I listen to all the time. They are a much bigger podcast, and so it's not like I'm going to be giving them a whole bunch of new listeners. But uh, the guys over at, of course, now I can't think of who it is. I'm just blanking on it. Ah, uh, Justin and Saturn. What are, what's the name of their show? Oh, it's killing me, and now I need to give them credit too. They recently <laughs> were talking. They were talking about um, uh, the the video game company Acclaim specifically. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna think of their name. Put it on here so I don't create blasphemy. And they were talking about some of the crazy stunts that this company did, and I'm like, I have to look these up. And so I'm quite literally just respouting some of the things they put on one of their most recent podcasts. Um, and I'm gonna have to pull. I'm gonna have to pull up my phone to figure out okay. what they're called. I'm sorry, <laughs> I was really embarrassed. Anyways, no, it's okay. So I pulled up this link talking about the ten most ridiculous video game publicity stunts of all time. Yeah. And Act Four of them are Activision. Um, maybe even five here. Um, so really quick, they had a thing when they were trying to sell Turok. Yeah. When they first came out with Turok, and they decided, well. How are we going to make a splash, right? That's, they decided they always had to make a, a splash. That was a big thing for them. Um, th- by the way, they're called the Retro Warriors. I'm sorry. There we go. The Retro Warriors. So they decided that they would go ahead and publicly announce that if anybody decided to name their new baby child officially Turok, oh, gosh. they would pay them $10,000. Um, I don't think anybody claimed the $10,000 prize. Although, maybe somebody out named Turok is out there. Turok's not terrible. <laughs> Tur- I mean, it's a better name than game. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I did not like the game Turok. I did not like it. At least the original one. I haven't played I, the ones after that because I thought Turok was pretty bad. Turok 2, yeah, they got much better. But I think okay. I think the original Turok suffered from frame rate and from the fog of war that Nintendo did. And yes. I think they've remastered it recently and it probably plays a whole lot better. But Yeah, I mean, the the, the concept of the game is very cool. The execution was very bad. I, I When I first played that, I was looking forward to it and it just turned me off. Yeah. Uh, the next one I want to bring up here, this one's in really bad taste, but they decided... <laughs> They even specifically said that even, you know, lower income families might really want to take them up on this. But, you know, the amazing game um, Shadow Man that came out, they decided that if anybody was willing to bury their recently deceased loved ones, um, they would pay for the tombstone and I think the burial up to $30,000 if they were allowed to put Shadow Man advertisements on it. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh man, that is how, horrible. How bad is that, right? <laughs> um, once again, I don't think anybody actually claimed that, but they were willing to pay $30,000 for somebody's dark moment where they couldn't pay for their loved one to get buried and said, hey, we'll just put Shadow Man on the tombstone. 
Uh, going down a little further here, this one, um, there was a, 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 pr- a promotion they did again for the 2003 release of Burnout 2. I think this was specifically in the UK, uh, it looks like. They basically said that if anybody um, got caught by a speed camera on October 11th, which is the day that the new Burnout game came out to stores, they could tell uh, a claim that they were speeding because they were trying to get to the store to buy Burnout and they would pay for their, their speeding ticket. That that is dangerous. That's horrible. That's just straight up dangerous. Yeah. And then this one is the most bizarre one. Although I think the gravestone is by far the worst. I didn't even know about this one until I read this. The game Virtual Tennis Two on Dreamcast is a great game. I love I love the Virtual Tennis games. They're actually really good. I'm not yeah, a huge are. tennis fan, but they just feel good. Um, they were going to go ahead, and they actually mentioned this ahead of time at uh, Wimbledon during one of the biggest. Uh, most prestigious tennis tournaments in the world they were going to basically use um what do they call it animal safe spray paint or animal safe paint whatever okay and they were going to put the uh virtual tennis 2 logo on 20 homing pigeons <laughs> oh man and they were going to basically during the entire match um, fly to people in the crowd and land on their laps to show off the Virtual Ten- Tennis 2 logo and fly off and go just keep visiting different people. Apparently, they even mentioned that uh, they were trained so they would not bother the tennis match, only the people in the stands. That's and according horrible. to this article, again, which I've linked, uh, it's actually from a company or a website called blockfort.com. Uh, it got so out of hand publicly that uh, the Wimbledon actually even threatened that they were going to uh, train hawks to hunt down and kill pigeons. <laughs> well, I like that so, idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were going to just kill their their homing pigeons. Yeah. Anyways, that the whole like it never happened. None of it happened. It just got a whole bunch of media attention for free. So hey, yeah. you got that one. I give them credit for that one's goofy and weird and it works. So. Right. And that was Cody's news and history of the weird weird. All right. Cool. All right. So I, I didn't write this. I, I caught, cut and pasted this right from the little okay. article that I got. It says, get your barf bags ready. Our <laughs> new NES game, Garbage Pale Kids, Mad Mike, and the, qu- and the Quest for Stale Gum is out <laughs> like now that. on Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PlayStation. Uh, it's from the Epic Game Store and Steam with the NES cartridge released to follow in a few months. Ooh. So. I honestly have never it's, played any um, of the Garbage Pail Kids uh, I don't games. Think there's, I don't know if there ha- have there been games. This is the only game I've ever heard of. Oh, maybe there haven't been. I thought there were, had been previous games, and this was a, a new one. <laughs> um, that might be something I need to look up. But this is the Garbage Pail Kids. If you were a kid of the 80s, I think it, it was the 90s as well. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, 80s and 90s, Garbage Pail Kids were... Uh, a very big deal. I remember kids having the trading cards at school. Um, this game is a, like a little platformer, and it looks like a pretty solid. It looks platformer. pretty good. Yeah, it looks great. You, there, there's a, the kid that barfs on things. There's. It's it's funny you say you say trading cards because I always felt like that's what they were as well, but they're technically stickers. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, I but didn't most know kid, that. I, I most honestly, kids were. 
at least at my school, most kids who, who wanted them and collected them, they put them in binders and, you know, traded them and stuff. They never actually, like, used them as stickers and put them on things. So I have a garbage pail kid. Hold on a sec. I'm going to go. I'm going to go look at this. Maybe it's a sticker. Hang on. All right. Eric's, Eric's heading to the background to, to, to try to prove to himself what these really are here. This game apparently has four playable characters, six exciting levels, a trading card system, which is perfect. There's pa- uh, Patty Putty, Luke Puke, Mad Mike, and um, bonus content. So, right, so here's Kirk's my... checking it out. I got this from when I, when I bought something. The guy threw it into the box, which I thought was pretty neat. His name's Lyle Tile. Lyle Tile. And that is like Garbage a- Pail Kid, and... Does it peel? Does I don't it? Think it peels? I don't. Well, no? maybe it, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just a card. But it, if you flip it on the back, you can tell there's like a puzzle piece. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they all make puzzles, but it doesn't seem like a sticker. This at least, but you know, they might have released ones that were stickers. I don't know. I, anyway. My mom, my mom would never let me have any because they're gross and yeah, of this, the devil, Eric. This Egyptian guy is throwing up into a bowl of course he is so anyway <laughs> <laughs> the vomitarium I, I have to admit i did not collect garbage pail kids but i do remember all the kids at school had them and were trading them and stuff like that so anyway that, it looks like a cool game and if it comes out on a physical release that would be pretty neat it did it, it showed a picture of it down below it's a, a, a light blue cart with a pink label nice visually appealing cool uh, there is a game I wanted to mention really quick that's coming out shortly. If you are a fan of F-Zero, which Nintendo has not released an F-Zero game since, I believe, the GameCube? Mm. Um, there's a game coming out on the Switch. It's not from Nintendo. It's from a different company. But it is uh, akin to an F-Zero game. However, it is cel-shaded. So I would describe it as part F-Zero, part Borderlands, and part Mario Kart. Yeah, Just looking right. at here it is. You can see it's it's fast and um, and F zero e, but you can also collect weapons and drop mines and uh, looks apparently you can teleport. Um, it looks fast and fun. All the all the uh, racers apparently you can upgrade them as well uh, are built on this kind of futuristic technology where they are four flans, kind of like a, like a drone, four fans that are lifting you up and tilt forward to pull you forward. That's really I, cool. I love cell shaded graphics. I, I think uh, I, I wish there were more games. There's so much detail on them. And even though they're a bit, I think people get turned off by it because it's a little bit cartoonish at times. I think I that, love about it. I, it's what I love about it. And they, and they can put so much detail in there. I, I, I dig it. So anyway, yeah, that Borderlands works great. It's great too. Cool. Cool. So my next one is the Xbox Series X and S can run PS2 games at 4K 60 frames per second now. Um, I don't know how this is achieved because I didn't even know you could hack the Series X or S. Um, Or maybe you don't need to hack it and you can run PS2 games on there somehow with some kind of emulator. I have no idea. But... um, I did did watch some of the videos on this and yeah, if, if you... the games run super smooth. They look like they look amazing on the Xbox series X and S. And I know you have the S right. Yes. I have an S. Yeah. So that link wasn't working. Sorry. I was trying to pull it up for us there. So anyway, that's there's the, the, 
the link will be in the show notes if it works. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's not working for me. Let me try one more time just in case. Yeah, it's like it's one of those. Oh, there you go. It kind of works. It's one of those things where it's so riddled with advertisements that I couldn't actually scroll. Yeah. Um, modern vintage game blah, blah 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 blah. I was talking about all these games. Anyways, there there's, a, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, yep. there's a lot of stuff to read in here, but I mean, it, it, there is it, it's an XPS X2 emulator that's upscaling the retro games on there. Maybe it's just a emulator that you can download from the store. I don't. I, I wouldn't think that X Microsoft would allow that, but I don't know. I don't know how this is happening, but somebody is doing it, and the games look pretty amazing, at least from the screenshots I or the videos I saw. Gotcha. Very cool. Oh, so th- this one that's also you, but I wanted to. I was going to mention it as well. Oh, okay. Uh, well, this is Sega has considered Dreamcast and Saturn Mini, but is worried about extreme costs. And what this kind of came from was they went on, I think it was Twitter, and asked people, "Hey, what would you like to see in the next Mini that we make?" Like that's what Sega did, the official Sega. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everybody was just overwhelmingly saying Dreamcast. And a lot of people also were saying Saturn. And so Sega just basically came out and said, well, that's something we'll look into, but it would take a lot of horsepower. I mean, Sega Saturn emulation, you know, it, yeah. it, I've, been, I've been tinkering a lot with Sega Saturn emulation on my Steam Deck because I just love playing those games. And if it was mobile, that would be amazing. And it runs really well on Steam Deck, but for some games, it's not perfect. So it's still not an easy system to emulate. So trying to cram that into a mini would be pretty tough. Yeah, this became big news probably because of that that question out there. Yeah. Um, So two questions. Well, first of all, my answer for that, more realistically, would be what we talked about before, Mm -hmm. which was I would love a Game Gear Mini or Game Gear Portable, or basically they took the Game Gear, yeah, um, made it super thin so it actually is comfortable in your hands. They can make the whole thing small but keep the screen about the same size, yeah. And there's so many good Game Gear games that are specific to Game Gear that nobody's played, yeah. Especially because the screen stinks on the original Game Gear, like that would be an easy way to be like you know eighty nine ninety nine or whatever comes with thirty games that are exclusive to Game Gear you've probably never played before, yeah. That would be cool. And easy to do. Um, but if there was a Dreamcast Mini, just give me the top couple of games you would have to have on there, Eric. Oh, man. Dreamcast Mini? Oh, well, Jet Set Radio. Okay. That would be that would be one. Um, uh, this is an oddball one, but I love this game, and it never got released, but it could make it on here now because they uh-huh, canceled uh-huh. it because of September 11th. But Propeller Arena... Yes. Um, which is a game you can download now, and it got canceled because of nine eleven. But it's such a fantastic game. So yeah, um, I, ha- I have that on my Dreamcast, but I have not tried it yet. You, but you were telling me about it. it. Sounds it's like a, a flying airplane combat game, right? Flying airplane combat, but you can like go down. There's one level where it's like you're weaving in and out of buildings and stuff in uh-huh. a city. Um, love the game. I mean, it is really a cool. great game. It was such a shame it didn't get released. Um, but I mean, on Dreamcast, gosh, I, it's like I'm I'm, all, I'm having like choice paralysis here. Um, 
I mean, of course, I'd, I'd like, I do like Crazy Taxi, and that one would have to show up on that. That, that would be there. Of course, you're going to get like Choo Choo Rocket. You're going to get Space Channel 5. There's Space a lot Channel of those 5 kind is of, another great one I would pick, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of um, some specific ones that I really enjoyed that were kind of off the beaten path. Um, and most of them, a lot of them, are Japanese shmups again. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. I, I, would, I would love to see uh, Ikaruga on there. I'd oh, love to see Bang yeah. Io. Yep. on there. One game um, I, I I had fun was the and I don't know the title. You maybe you can help me with that. Is the one where you're driving the semi truck? It's like big. Oh yeah, it's like eighteen wheeler. Eighteen. Yeah, there you go. I think it's all eighteen wheeler. That game was surprisingly fun. In fact, I thought about doing a battle of the systems where we play that game against another semi truck racing game. Which there's a couple out there. I would love it. That would that, be fun. I had, I had a blast with that one for like a night. Like I just was like, Hey, what's this game? And I played it for probably three or four hours and was like, this is so much fun. This is a blast. Um, all the, the fishing games, Sega fishing. Um, yeah. Yeah. that would be, that would be pretty cool. Cause with the mini, you could have the, the, the fishing accessory. That would be pretty rad. <laughs> Sega bass fishing and Sega. I think it's uh, Sega sport fishing, which is like saltwater Marlin yeah. and stuff. Um, there's a, one I wanted to mention, which is Metropolitan Street Racer, which mm. is a really, really good uh, arcade racing game with a bunch of. It eventually turned into Project Gotham Racing. Yeah, it's called on is the that Xbox Metropolis Racing. Metro. I thought Metro. I thought it was Metropolitan Street Racer. Maybe it's Metropolis Street Racer. It's MSR. Yeah, it's MSR. I know what you're talking about, and that one is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I love the. Uh, there's a challenge mode where you have to do like certain tricks and stuff and and you get kudos anyways i know tim really loves that series as well so yeah that would have to i I think that has to be on there's a great game yep um oh another another new device that's playing old uh, old games huh yeah so you can now play game boy games on the steam deck and this is this is actually this isn't an emulator i mean it is an emulator but this is a piece of hardware so if you can scroll down oh, okay. through there. This one is a thing where you take a oh. device, <laughs> you, you plug it I into your Steam this. Deck. I heard about this. I heard about this. Yep, you plug it into your Steam Deck, and then you can take your actual cartridges, plug them into your Steam Deck, and boom, up on the screen, you can play your game. I mean, you have game. to laugh about this. It's like if you want to take a device, make it do something it's not supposed to do, like play other devices' games, but you don't want to take the free ROMs and make it easy. You want to make it difficult and use actual cartridges that cost money. Yep. Here's a device to do that, which costs more money, by the way. And it's called but- the GB Operator. And <laughs> I agree. It's wacky. I agree. I it's wacky. It. and But I love it. I love hearing about st- wacky stuff like this because – Frankly, I would just install an emulator and throw a Game Boy game on there, which is I, I've done that on my Steam Deck and they play perfectly. But this one is allows you to plug in real cartridges into your Steam Deck and play those games, which, OK, if, if, if you want to do that, that's fine. But all the Game Boy Advance games you want, GBC Classics, original that's Game hilarious. Boy games, boom, you plug them in and they're good to go. <laughs> it's just this little see-through uh, plastic thing about a third of the size of the cart, at least yep. in height. Yep. You can see the PCB right through it, but interesting, interesting. <laughs> so I thought that was that's pretty funny. funny. That is funny. Uh, last news item from me, and then Eric's got one more, and that's yep. purely that the NES Dev 2022 competition is full underway at this point. Um 
I love the NES, and uh, I don't know why it never dawned on me that they have a competition every year, but a lot of these games end up becoming full-featured games later. Um, there's a bunch of games in here you can check out already. I think there's still 17 days left, but one that caught my eye recently is this one here called Minecart Madness, mm. um, and it's actually made by Matt Hewson, who is the one of the people that actually put on the dev competition. Um, wow. Yeah, and if you look at the game itself... You can see it looks really solid. It's a uh, NES recreation as as if it's kind of like Pico 8 almost. It's if if somebody made an arcade game of this um this mining game, then this is the NES version of the arcade game. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like the NES version of an arcade game that doesn't actually exist. Um but it's a game where you have these four, you know, it's a single screen game with these four planes in this um planes meaning like flat ground areas uh in this mining area there's all these blue gems all over the place you have to go so your mining cart can jump to get the gems it can also go up or down these uh diagonal shafts to go between the different planes and you avoid the little goblin in his cart um i don't know i I watched a little bit of the video you want to avoid spikes you want to collect all the gems on any given plane and or move the rocks to the side otherwise you can't go through that side of the screen to pop out the other side of the screen Uh, but it looks super solid it does looks amazing that's all i was gonna that's all i really have to say about actually here i'll show you some gameplay here's some here's some i mean this one looks like a game that could have come out on a cartridge back in the day like yeah yeah exactly exactly here you go (laughs) <laughs> it looks pretty neat i like i like that when you go up the ramps when you when you get off the ramp it you you jump a little like it, it, it like like you launch off of the ramp there you go you went up that, that's There's pretty like cool. boulders rolling down the hill here there he goes just busted up on the side over here looks like he's going through now going down so it's almost like a single screen game like a like a bubble bobble or like a don I think it maybe closer to Donkey Kong or Popeye, something kinda like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Very cool. I like it. So I'm gonna have to give that a check. I think I, there's a lot of games I need to go uh download and pop on my NES Evercade or Everdrive cart. Nifty. Last item of news this month, Eric, is all yours. Hey, so released on November eleventh, so only only a few days ago, Atari fifty, the anniversary celebration. And I've been Hearing a lot of chatter on this on Twitter. Um, I've been hearing it on the Amigos Discord. I think Boat bought this. Um, and everything I've been reading about it is positive, which is rare for really? Atari these days. <laughs> I was surprised because this looked, if I were to guess, I'd say this is a big old pile of garbage. But Right. But from what I understand is what has happened is they've there's so much stuff other than the games on this. Mm-hmm. Like there's interviews, there's history, there's there's box art, there's stories from back in the day when people were designing these. This is like more of a, um, I want to say an anthology, like a museum, you know, you, a, yeah, a like virtual a museum, museum or an anthology. Like you log in, you, I mean, when you boot up this game and you could just peruse this game or the or the things in this cartridge for, or not cartridge, but this download, you can just 
even not playing a game, you could read through all this stuff and learn a lot of really cool stuff about all these old games. And then there is, I forget how many, there are six or seven games that are redone. Like what we were, what we wanted to see on the Amico, like okay. television games. There are games that are enhanced and like uh, brand new games that are themed on, like there's a Yars Revenge that is enhanced. Yeah, um, I saw some of that. It looked really cool. Yep. There is a, uh, um, I think a combat version that is enhanced. Um, so there's some really, really neat stuff in this collection. And some Atari as well Jaguar as, games. <laughs> yep. As well as Jaguar games. I mean, spanning the whole Atari gamut of different consoles and stuff. So I think it's uh, the six new games. There we go. Uh, Sword Quest. Hold on a second. Sword Quest, Haunted House, um, VCTR, SCTR. I don't know what that means. Like Asteroids, Tempest, or something. Neo Breakout, Quadra Tank, and Yars Revenge re- Reimagined. Yeah, this looks cool. This looks. I'm I'm surprised. I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the Steam page. There's only 37 reviews so far. It's positive, so it's not mostly positive or overwhelmingly positive. It's positive. Yep. Um, it's only been out for two days as of the recording here. Uh, I'm given all that information in, it looks like it would be more almost like an interactive DVD than anything else, even though you can play some games in there as well. But that's right. It, I might, I might, you know, I mean, inevitably they'll make way too many of these and it'll go on sale for 20 bucks. And I'll pick it up. <laughs> I'd like a physical though. I'd love a physical. Yeah, I would love a physical and there. There is a physical, a nice physical one for the switch. Yeah. Um, that, that looks pretty cool, but, um, I don't know. I, it'd be a fun one for me to have on Steam so I could play it on the Steam Deck and have a mobile and kind of look at stuff while I'm just sitting there with my headphones on. But who knows? I mean, I, I might get this down the road. You're right. I want to see what the pricing is right now compared to what it's going to be. Like maybe, you know, this might come out cheaper in the future. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it looks cool. It look, it, I think it looks cool. Yeah. Which you don't say um, too often about Atari these days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that's it for the news, ladies and gentlemen. What I do want to also mention is that we do have a YouTube channel. We'd love for you guys to hop on there and subscribe. Check out youtube.com forward slash pixel guide. And uh, Eric has put up a video recently with his XI, I believe, his JVC yep. XI. Yep. And this month I'm doing another video of Eric's take as well on my thoughts and history with emulation. Wow, though. So we want to make sure you guys check that out. And Tim's been doing the same thing with a lot of his segments, his Tea Time with Tim segments. And I have been slacking, doing absolutely nothing video related. But <laughs> there's a couple of videos of me doing my darndest. Uh, check that out. Eric, let's go ahead and have another beer. Awesome. So the beer I just pulled out is a beer. Uh, I don't think we've tried this on the show. We tried one of these. Okay. Um, have we tried this? It's the uh, the Pilsner from from Davis, UC Davis. Yes, we've had that a long time ago, but it's a great one. So okay, okay, I apologize. I should have grabbed the other one then because they also have the Gun Rock, which is a hazy IPA. And I don't think we've had that one, but the People's Pilsner we have had. Yes, we have had. I'm curious to go back and listen and see how close my rating is to this one. But but here's uh, what's interesting, Cody, is that is a retro rewind beer that we're having. <laughs> Do you hear the? Oh, wait, I can do the record scratch. Say it yeah. again. Retro Rewind. There we Whoa. go. There we go. Yeah, um, and, and the cool thing, Cody, is mine's a Retro Rewind beer, too, because I didn't oh, have a new one. <laughs> Perfect. What's yours? Mine was my 2021. 
beer of the year, my Ooh. Prague at night. Oh, yes, that's right. That that's was right. my one. That. that was the one I picked as my beer of the year, Prague at night, dark Czech lager from uh, King Kong Brewery here in Sacramento. Perfect. So I think since that time, Eric, this is uh, apparently one brewery of the year from the GABF, something beer festival. Yeah. Um, they're doing good things over there at the at the college. Making... Yeah, yeah, you've been to Sudworks, right? I actually haven't physically been there, no. Oh, the one in uh, Davis is a lot of fun. That's a great little place to go. Yeah, yeah, people's pills there. So uh, the other one I had, uh, so we were recently at a UC Davis Aggie football game. Yeah. My, parent, my parents go to every home game. He's gone for my dad. Primarily, it's gone for years. My parents both met in Davis and got married and the whole thing made me. Sweet. The show is made possible by UC Davis. Um, <laughs> but they actually make one. They're called Gunrock, which is the name of their mascot, which they make right there on the campus. Students yeah. are making the beer, and uh, it's really good as well. But this is the People's Pilsner. Eric. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. That really is a solid Pilsner. Yeah, I, I enjoy that one a lot. I, that's actually one that is right here by the supermarket, which is like a block away from me. I buy that one, you know, probably once every three, four months, like a six pack of it. Yeah, it's very out of, nine, out of 94. I think I'm going to I'll put that right up there with the 82. Same 82? score as the other one. Yep. Yeah, out of 94, I'm going to have to give this one. I'm going to give it a 89. Nice. Wow. Nice. Well, yeah. Well, I really like them. This was my beer of the year, 2020, <laughs> 2021. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, everybody, it is time for that part of the show where Eric and I go ahead and talk about six good games. Six good games. And Eric, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you picked the topic and it is six good tactics games. So I think you and I, for the most part, settled on the same concept of what a tactics game is. But how would you try to define a tactics game? For me, a tactics game doesn't necessarily have to be turn-based, but it probably should be. Um, A tactics game, to me, is one that you can kick back, think about your moves, do your move, and then basically like you go and then your enemy goes and you guys take turns. And that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's rough. That's a rough definition. And sure, you can tinker with that a little bit and do different things with that. But I think that's pretty much what I would call a tactical game. What, what do you and think? It's, and it's almost exclusively be, because of that almost has to be based on a, some sort of a grid, some right. sort of a, a gridded system. Either like hexes, grids, something like that. Yes. So you know the distance and everything. And what I love about tactics games, some some people get really creative with it. I don't think any of our games do this necessarily, but you can even take a super mundane task and make it a tactics game. In fact, I'm surprised no one's done something like that. Like literally, like your goal is to like get out of bed, get dressed, make breakfast, and walk out of the house. But you have to like decide how many steps you take but then your daughter ran into the kitchen to wash her hands and they have to try to find an alternate route or yeah or, you know whatever like you could take any any mundane task and make it a tactics game but that's true primarily it's combat yeah um and of course i'll i'm going to talk some honorable mentions ahead of time because this yeah, will give a good that. idea let's a lot of games 
that I actually have. I've never played a game with the word tactics in the title, but there's a lot of games I hear about all the time that I've always want to play. Yeah. I always hear about uh, Tactics Battle Ogre. I hear Final Fantasy Tactics. Yep. Um, there's even a game that came out recently that I've always I've wanted to try, which is Dark Crystal Tactics. Okay. It's, you know the movie Dark Crystal by Jim Henson? Yep, yep. With the Skeksis? Yep. They made, they made a, a Switch, a game on the Switch called Dark Crystal Tactics. Um, we didn't pick these ones, Eric, but I know you and I are both big fans of the XCOM series. XCOM is wonderful. I love all XCOM games. Yep, they're great. Um, another one I wanted to mention, because I, I did have, like, I had a list on my whiteboard right here in front of me. Yep. of games and i had to i had to choose three out of this but one of my favorite ones i mean the ones you listed i have on the board but another one is valkyria valkyria chronicles oh nice yes yeah those those are fantastic series of games and i love them um hey that metal gear tactics is supposed to come out someday right yep that's another one that's another that would one. be that would be fantastic <laughs> um Another one I wanted to make sure I'm looking at your list. I want to make sure you didn't list this one. One of the OG ones is uh, the one on the uh, the Game Boys. Uh, what are those called? Um, Game Boy Advance. You mean? Are you talking about the uh, yeah Advance Wars? Advance Wars. Those are fantastic, yes. and those are tactics and they had a, games. And they actually, uh, I I do want to pick that up. They recently came out with, and we talked about it on the show, a collection of Advance Wars one and two. Yes, but they were remastered on the Switch, and yep. they had some. Um, some a few updates because both of those games um, kind of got to the point, and I always talked about this, where I love the game. The game is really good, but by the time you get towards the end of the game, you almost have to make every single choice perfect. Otherwise, you can't win. That's right. And so I think they did a few things to be like, no, it's supposed to be a tactics game. It's not a, not a learn-how-to-do-it-perfectly game. Yeah. So and uh, one, I want to get those versions. One I played recently, which I think you did too, was Mario and Rabbids. Oh, yeah. Great, great tactics game. For great sure. tactics game there. So, I mean, you and me could just probably have a whole show where we talk about tactics games. Oh, yeah. Love and they're coming games. out with another Mario and Rabbids game right now. Mario and Rabbids 2. Mario vs. Rabbids 2. Yep, that's right. And if you want to go way back, like Commodore 64 and Atari games on the 8-bit, like there were Archon, like which was like on the chessboard, I would consider that a tactics game. Um Laser Squad. Isn't it called Laser Squad? There's one called Laser Squad on the ZX Spectrum, and I think there was a C64 port for that, too. Um, that was the early iteration of XCOM. That was like the kind of the yeah. the beginnings then, of that. So these last, are games... The last are, one I want to mention is yeah. probably my one of my favorite games of all time. I talk about all the time on the show, so I'm not going to put it in here, but Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Yes. Yeah. Which I absolutely love, and it is a hex-based fantasy tactics game that I would never have time to play today because it's an overworld map that you have to go into these little battles and then fight a whole battle, which is 30 minutes to 40 minutes per battle, and you have to have probably 50, 60 battles per overworld map, which means one level of the game probably took you, I don't know how many hours that is, but hours, You've hours right. and hours and hours. And, and I would do it and you love you and it. me love this genre, maybe someday like our arcade top 50 rundown we could probably have maybe a top 20 i mean we couldn't probably do 50 but we could do a top 20 or 30 rundown where we like run the same kind of uh show where we just rank them to see who's the king dong of the king tactics game. ladybug tactics <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um 
<clears throat> I think I've been going second a lot lately, Eric, so I'm going to go first. Please. So the game I picked here is because, um, as I just mentioned, I'll just go ahead and get this one out of the way right now. As I mentioned, I absolutely love Heroes of Might and Magic. I started by playing Heroes of Might and Magic 2 a little bit, um, which is a little clunky and, the, and pixely. But then when I found out there was a Heroes of Might and Magic 3, I instantly went and picked that up. And there was all kinds of expansions for it, and I played hundreds of hours. That's probably one of the only games in my entire life I've played over 100 hours of, and I played wow. multiple hundreds of hours. Yeah. Uh, that game is so good. Um, and then Hero Might and Magic 4 came out later on. At this point, I believe I was in college, and I picked it up, and it didn't run right away, and I had to like go online, and like there must, maybe there's like a an update file and sure enough there wasn't allowed it to run but it was never smooth and they tried to make the graphics look so good that the gameplay i felt suffered um and then five went even further so i played a good amount of four but i played a ton of three and i if i would go back today i'd play three all over again that is the the game so i reached a point where i'm like we well, you know what here's my magic the new ones aren't doing it for me maybe there's other games that have kind of copied it that i don't know about so i started doing research for it and one of the games I found was a game called Age of Wonders, and specifically, it's a game called Age of Wonders Shadow Magic, which is a all-inclusive expansion, okay, if you will. And at this point, these games, um, I don't have the box anymore, I don't think, maybe I do. These games no longer, by the time I bought this, they were no longer big box games, they were now like the small box they okay. weren't uh, jewel case only. This did come out with a, a, a not a thick manual. Uh, you know, you can tell how good a manual is by if it's a square spine or if it just comes down to the staples. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This was like a thick staple manual. So, okay. um, anyways, this game is exactly what I was looking for. And that is a game that had some graphical um, improvements over like the Heroes of Might Magic three game that i've been playing but it kind of kept a fairly low-key um art style that made it easy to fit a lot of stuff on screen and keep track of everything but uh i I mean as soon as i see this intro video i'm looking at right now i just hear music already these games have gorgeous orchestral sound tracks that while you play the game you hear over and over and over again they actually never get old in fact you start like humming along with them and stuff um of course, you can play random battles. You can do all kinds of stuff. I always did the campaigns. Uh, I always wanted to play through a, a game, play through the campaign. And you can pick your, your main hero, what kind of race they are, what kind of class they are, your picture. You know, And there's some stories that you know each can't, at level of the campaign has some story. But ultimately, you start out as a person of some class type in a castle on this overworld map. And it's kind of an isometric overworld map. And you have so many movement points based on who's in your party. Um, and you you can send out parties and go try to find, you know, resources that are just laying in this landscape. You can go find um, mines to take over. You can find windmills to take over, which allow you more movement points. You have all these things. I'm not going to get into the full game. Uh, but basically, you, you build these parties. You separate out. You can break them up. So you have eight slots, so you can have your hero, and then, like, in this case, it's a bunch of dwarves, so you can have a couple of dwarves with axes, you can have dwarves, these dwarves that are, like, nomads that ride warthogs, you can have wizard dwarves, um, 
And anyways, you're just going around trying to build your kingdom. You're trying to take over and build your cities. You can build new aspects to your cities that boost attributes or allowed you to make certain part um, creature types. You can find, you know, mines that give you gold and, and gems and different things to do. I mean, it, again, it's one of these games where there's so much going on. It takes you a while to learn it all. But ultimately, you're running around, and every time you try to take over something, there's usually some creatures there or another party from another race that you have to fight to take over those items. And your goal in each campaign scenario is, of course, it can be a little bit different. But ultimately, it's you try to win battles and take over certain things, whether it's every castle, every city on the map, or maybe it's just... Um, trying to create peace with a certain class, or maybe you're just trying to eradicate a certain class, but you don't need to worry about the other classes. Um, but then the actual battles themselves, as you can see here, are um, you can turn on the grid if you want, or you, or you don't have to have the grid shown. In this case, you don't see it shown. And, um, you know, there's in this case, it's a forest with grasslands, so you can't walk through the trees, and you're trying to move your characters around and... Uh, figure out what opponents you want which characters to try to walk up towards you can do melee attacks with certain ones other ones you can keep your archers in the back and try to protect them um I, it, there's so much to explain here but it's it's absolutely great this game is age of wonders shadow magic it's actually a standalone expansion uh after age of wonders 3 I, I believe, and I never actually played Age of Wonders 1 or 2 or 3. I only have played Shadow Magic, but again, this is a game that I was able to dig into the campaign and to put probably almost 100 hours in. Absolutely loved it. All kinds of abilities, all kinds of points and stats and attack and damage and spells and and stuff. It's just... Um, it is a... a just like... A, a, Heroes of Might and Magic, it is your... What's the word I'm looking for? Your archetypal yeah. uh, medieval RPG fantasy tactics game. Quintessential. And it's quintessential. I, and it is and delicious and graphics. delectable. I think the graphics look amazing. Uh, um, and I I, 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 this is a game I screen. haven't seen before. Um. I think I might have heard of this game, but I've never played it. I've never seen it. But I love the this style of graphics where it's it is detailed, um, but it's lush. I mean the the mountains, the trees, everything looks really good. You can tell it's kind of like from the era, you know, the two thousand ten era. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it's I think it's before that. Yeah, two thousand three maybe. Yeah, two thousand three, something like that. But it looks. I I love this style of game, so this looks fantastic. Cool. And that's my first game. Cool. I like it. Very good. And it's one I've never played before, so it might be something I need to look into. And I happen to look at one of the screens you're flicking through. Pretty highly rated on all various things. Steam and GOG. And I saw the ratings in there, and it was some high praise. Yeah, it's like 85 to 95% yep. ratings on this. Yeah, it's a great game. Fantastic. So <clears throat> my first one, um, I was thinking about not starting with this one because I, I do, I'm probably going to talk about this one quite a bit, but, uh, and I meant to bring something, I went to bring something to show you that reminded me of this game and I forgot it's downstairs, but uh -oh. I'll, I'll forget it. Um, the first game I'm going to pick is Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. So this is kind of a more 
modern-ish game, but this game came out quite a ways. I probably have the I have some statistics on this game. I don't know where my notes went. There we go. I'm pulling it up. I've never heard of this. Man, I love this game, and it doesn't get enough press to me. It's always highly rated, though, when you look at the reviews and stuff. Everyone raves about it, but I don't think it gets credit, and it even came out with a sequel. So anyway, this came, this game came out in 2013 um, hmm. on Windows, and it also came out on iOS, so you could play this one on your iPad or your iPhone or whatever. Um. This is, of course, Sid Meier's. Uh, this is a World War I combat flight simulation game developed by uh, Fire Axis Games and published by 2K Games. Um, you can get this on Steam, which is where I have it, and I play it all the time. I still, to this day, huh. play it. There is a sequel called Ace Patrol, I think, Pacific Skies. Um, it's pretty much the same game, but with additional units and different scenarios and different maps and stuff like that. But I don't have any notes for this game because I've been playing it so much. I think I can do this off the cuff here. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, there is a game that I played in high school, literally a board game from TSR. And it, it was a role playing game where you were a world war one pilot and you had a little cardboard cutout of your World War One plane. And I played this with two of my friends, Jesse and Marcus. And we would play, sit around like geeks playing this RPG slash tactical game, on, like a tabletop game, like a board game. Yeah. And it was called Dawn Patrol. Loved it. We played it uh, three or four times that I can remember, maybe more often. But this is that game put into a video game decades later. I'm so excited uh, to see what this is. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So I absolutely love this game. So first of all, you start off with a pilot and you can pick up to four, pl four pilots in your squadron and you can have more than that, but your pilots gain experience. And as they gain experience, as they get promoted, like right here, you see promoted to corporal the next screen shows you a list of cards like like a board game mm -hmm. of different maneuvers that you can do, like different literal maneuvers in your plane. And, and there'll be three sets of them, and you have to pick one of the sets to add to your deck, I guess. But it's not really a card game, but they do offer them in kind of card mode. So when your pilots get promoted they get new maneuvers that they can add to their repertoire and, and be able to, there it is. So you yep. can pick like the ACE maneuver, which is only one, or you could pick like the loop maneuvers. There's three different ones or roll maneuvers. <clears throat> and then you add that and that, that is, that equals the experience of your pilot. And so it's a very novel way that you see real time effects of your pilot as they progress mm -hmm. through the game. Then you also, as the game goes on and you make get achievements, you get planes. You can get different types of planes that have different characteristics, different hit points, if you will. Um, and you just keep rolling and adding planes to your hangers and, and whatever. Then you go and you select missions in the game. And the missions are basically just different scenarios like, hey, protect this balloon from getting shot down or escort this fighter through this through, through, through this 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 map 
or just shoot down these aces that are have been sent by the enemy. And you go and you play these scenarios. And the cool thing is if your pilot gets shot down, they can get injured and they have to sit out for three or four games while they heal, which allows you to level up your other pilots because you don't have to play all your pilots, obviously. And so on the combat on the combat map, it's, it's, it's a hex based map and it shows you every move that you can do. And so based on the maneuvers that you've added to your pilot and they show up as little buttons on the hexes and then you pick which one you want and you select it and then your plane flies through the sky and goes to that space. And there are, there are all sorts of, you know, loops you can do and rolls and immelmans and, all sorts of maneuvers that you can do as, as your experience gains. Now, when you get closer to the enemy, which will be further on in this video, you'll see like the green, the, the little blue buttons that are move buttons will turn to green and they give you percentages. Mm -hmm. Every green icon is a percentage where that shows you the damage you're potentially going to do to that enemy. Let the, the percentage of chance of you hitting them. And and then there is, I think, four levels of altitude that you can go up and down in your plane. So it, it follows the same rules of combat. Like if you're higher up, you can you get a higher percentage. If you're lower, if you go into a dive, you go faster and can move those number of hexes forward. So like if you dive and go down, you can move four hexes instead of two or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it's dogfighting, pure and simple. It's just dogfighting that you that you're doing. Now there will be bombing runs that you do with with the, with your bomber planes. Yeah, because I see there's like roads and like uh, vehicles on the ground and stuff. Yeah, I think you can attack as well. Yep. So there are like that. That was a scenario where you're you have to bomb the train and then successfully destroy the other pilots. But in this game, it is also an RPG and you're trying to develop your pilots, develop your technology, get better planes. Meanwhile, you're the, the meat and potatoes is dogfighting, pure and simple. And you'll find that you'll get these pilots that you love and cherish because they, because you, you've built this huge arsenal of different maneuvers that they can do because their experience goes up, but they can die in this game. And if they die behind enemy lines, when you're behind enemy lines, which is designated by the red zones, okay. um, there's a better percent, percentage chance that they will be captured or possibly killed. So you do have to try to protect your pilots and whatnot. And uh, it's just a fantastic game. I love this game. I love combat games, aerial combat games to begin with, but this just adds a tactical element to it. And like I said, there's two games you can pick from now, Ace Patrol and Ace Patrol Pacific Skies. And I highly recommend both of them. They're just, they're, they're awesome. This is the, this is the kind of chill game where I'll play two or three scenarios a night and then just put it away and maybe not play it for a couple of weeks and then just go back and play another one. It's one of those games that it's so easy to play. You don't need instructions or forget how to play or whatever. Love it. So anyway, Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. That's my first pick. Very cool. Yeah, it's got almost a. The, I, mean, I think the, the what might deter people from it is purely that the ground itself looks kind of bland, which it has to because you need to be able to see all the characters and the planes and things. Yeah. Um, 
and then the planes the planes are fairly small but they zoom in for for if you need to to see things mm-hmm. they almost look cell shaded which is really cool um but i could see how this would be a yeah, like an ios game kind of a thing uh, rather than like a full-on like pc game that people would be uh, clamoring for but the gameplay itself looks amazing yeah and i've been i've been kind of having a, a resurgence of this game because my steam deck and on the touch screen it's amazing <laughs> like oh yeah yeah yeah. steam deck has a touch screen so i can touch the hexes i want to go to uh all that good stuff steam deck makes it perfect but yeah there is an ios version of this too so anyway um i'm trying to remember the, remember the name of this um there is a, and i think i want to say you might even have it as well there's a board game it's called dog, War Birds or something like that. Um, you dogfight these planes, very similar to this, but yeah. they're literally it's card a card game, yep. out, as well as a miniature game. Oh man, now it's killing me. I do I, have something like that. And I want, like I said, I wanted. I forgot to bring it up here to to my uh, game room, but I do have the original Dawn Patrol that I used. But I think the one you're calling about has War in the name, like War Wings of Glory. Wings of Glory. There you go. That's uh, it, it doesn't have war in it but i do have this game i do have this yeah i have a, i have a couple of them because they're they're like little 15 well they originally were 15 dollar, and you can keep adding expansions and stuff but yep. it feels like this is the the video game version of that yep and like i said if Very you cool. go online and you see the review on this it gets highly reviewed but i never hear anyone talking about it gotcha Cool. So. Check that one out. Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. Cool. And it's got Sid Meier's name on it. I mean, come on. Yeah. This is a game that I talked about in our first year of Pixel Gaiden. Yeah. So I have talked about it, but I want to revisit it because it is so good and no one talks about it anymore and we need to. Uh, and that is a game called Into the Breach on the Nintendo Switch. I've, I've wanted to buy this game so many times. And I just have never pulled the trigger on it. And I thought that it might be in one of those bundles that we got and I never it, grabbed it. Ooh, it could be. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's also on steam and, and other things for sure. Yeah. Um, Into the breach is if you like tactics games. Yeah. Um, this is very much a tactics games, but this is almost like it's almost to the, it has a lot of chess-like qualities to it. Right. So basically, this is a game where you, of course, I always do the campaigns, but the actual the actual gameplay itself is typically uh, uh, these maps, which are, I believe they're all the same. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight by eight grid. Right. Which I think is a indeed a chess set. It's a chessboard, eight by eight. I think so. Yeah. Um, and you have a team of these tanks mechs um they're they're vehicles that your pilots drive and your team is gonna each each team is of three units three vehicles and they're all very different so you might have a tank that can move slowly but do big damage within a a, a, a spot or two you might have a some sort of a um uh artillery type of not artillery a uh, mortar type of vehicle that can move around in the background but launch uh, you know things far distances but they don't do as much damage you might have um vehicles that are very quick and they kind of for recon kind of a thing and as you're playing through the campaign um uh you can add more and more abilities and more and more power-ups to these vehicles um 
so once you select and you start with, I think, only one or two potential uh, types of vehicles. So they're, they're teams of three. I think there's ult- ultimately there's eight different teams. And all each team, and I'm going to keep... I'm layering and layering things here. It's hard to talk, follow me, I know. Each team has three completely different vehicles. So if you've learned one team and beat a whole campaign with it, awesome. Try a different team. You're going to have to learn completely different strategies because their vehicles do completely different things. But ultimately, you are on this 8x8 grid that represents some sort of city on some planet that you've been, um, that you get to decide where your three vehicles get dropped onto. You get to pick which three grids you want them to drop into, and there's going to be terrain, and there's going to be cities there. So you, uh, for example, will have, in this case, we have uh, you know eight hexes that have cities, uh, buildings on them, and there's some power plants, and there's some other things, and you want to protect those. Your job is to protect those. What are you protecting them against? These giant insect-like um, monsters, like Godzilla kaiju monsters, right? <laughs> cool. Um, so... And again, the campaigns are all a little different, but you have to learn kind of what these monsters do and how they act, uh, and there's some different rules. So, for example, um, monsters might be able to fly and then attack directly, or they might be able to spit at you or whatever. Um, and then once you kill those monsters, you get experience and things like that. Of course, they have health bars and that kind of stuff. But other monsters might be coming out of the ground. So I don't know if you see here, Eric, there's a couple arrows here. And what that means is that there is a kaiju that is um, erupting from the ground there. And so if your character is able to get on top of that spot before the next uh, the opponent's turn, those uh, characters cannot come up from there. They cannot be birthed, if you will, from the ground there. So you can block them, and that becomes strategic, right? So are you going to try to protect the buildings, attack the enemies, protect new enemies from being able to come out? Um, it's a whole lot of, again, chess and strategy and tactics. Um, and there's a lot of natural hazards like these mountains you can't go over. Uh, however, if you attack them enough, they'll be destroyed. You'll actually destroy the land and then you can go through them. Your enemies can do the same thing. Um, I think in this case, you'll see, um, for example, some some of these squares show this little uh, zigzag mark on it. If I remember correctly, in this level, which the one we're looking at, it's kind of desert-based. It means there's going to be an earthquake there, so anybody on those lines next turn is going to get damaged because the earthquake is going to damage them. Um, I'm going to some of these other ones. Here's one where you're kind of on a clean-looking concrete island, but with water tiles, um, which reminds me, some of some of your units can drop mines some of your units can push back enemies so you could actually rather than kill an enemy you can actually attack them push them into the water and they die instantly which is very helpful um there's just all these little things that you can learn all these little rules that you can learn basically these little miniature games of chess that change every single time because you have different vehicles and different enemies you're playing against different scenarios you're trying to achieve are you just trying to protect most of your buildings are you trying to eradicate the entire enemy force um but it's really simple looking the graphics aren't amazing but on the switch they're perfectly serviceable and they look solid it's kind of an isometric view and then at the end of that battle depending on how many of the buildings you have left i think there's usually about 10 um if you have like seven left you'll get seven points to use to buy upgrades and things like that if your pilot dies then 
the next time you play that particular um, vehicle will have an AI automatic or artificial intelligence pilot. So that artificial intelligence, you can still use that, that vehicle, but it can't be upgraded because you no longer have a pilot that is learning. Um, so you're trying to keep those alive. You're trying to keep energy. And then you have these little maps in between when you're doing campaigns. I'm trying to find a, you can kind of see it back here, Eric. Um, yeah. Showing which areas you've protected or completed, and you have options of where you want to go next and what kind of upgrades are available there based on how how difficult those lands are. Super fun. What's cool about it is you can do it in bite-sized pieces. You're not going to be playing like a Heroes of Might and Magic where it's going to take 100 hours to play through a campaign. You might only take, on an easy campaign, you might be able to burn through it in a couple hours. Yeah. And playing playing you know a 30 minute game here a 20 minute game here as you need to and then as it gets harder and harder of course you're going to fail more and it'll take you longer to play through those but you'll unlock more and more teams of mechs and it's fun yeah this is a game i've been wanting to get into for so long because i know you talked about this game many many episodes ago um i i i gotta get this one i finally gotta get it so here you go. You can see some of the teams here. You've got the Rift Walkers and the Rusting Hulks and the Blitzkrieg and the Flame Behemoths and the Hazardous Mechs and Steel Jaduka. Jaduka. Anyways, I'm surprised cool. there hasn't been very a sequel cool to this, or has there? Not to my knowledge, but but that would. Ooh, let's just this type, came out let's like just type in a two and see what it says. Yeah, because I mean, this seems to have come out in uh, 2018 or 2017 or something like that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't say, so yeah, here's a, a, a YouTube video where three months ago, somebody said there's been a massive update to, okay. to it. So now I got to try it. Cause apparently there's new stuff now. Advanced edition. Ooh. And I've only beat it with a couple of teams. So I still have, I think two teams. So I've only, I still have six teams to beat it with. Are the worlds procedurally generated or are they, uh, static? I think they are procedurally generated. I can't remember. Okay. I can't yeah. remember. I know it's been a while probably since you played. It has been. It has been. That's really cool. I, I, I Like I said, I want to get this game, so that's great you brought it up. That's cool. Into the Breach on the Switch. Yep. And is it only on the Switch? Uh, I think it's Switch and Steam. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> so, my second pick is a game I have a little little bit of a story to tell before... What letter does it start with so I can start digging into it? This one is called Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> it is the uh, first 3D entry into the Fire Emblem world. Every game before this was more 2D. Um, but this game, I had physic- a physical copy for the GameCube. Oh, okay. Um, I bought this game. Um, I remember specifically finding it on... Um, the web's GameStop of all places. Nice. Um, and it was only like 40 bucks, which at the time GameCube's games were starting that they were starting to go up. This was a few years ago. And so I thought it was a fluke, but I just put my money in there and they sent it to me. I I got it in mail and I got it and I played the heck out of it on the original game on the GameCube. Um, and, um, a, fr- a friend of mine online, his name is Steve on Twitter. 
he was trying to complete a Fire Emblem collection, and he said this Path of Radiance was his favorite game, but he couldn't find it anymore for sale, and uh-huh. it was g- pretty hard to find. Uh, so I sent him my copy for free because he's just a buddy of mine, and I sent it to him for free. And I was like, here, you know, I've I've played this, and and I've modded my GameCube now, and I can play it whenever I want. But here, you can have the original one. And then I swear, like six months later. I see this game going for like between three and four hundred dollars for an original copy. Jeez. Yep. So, I and I don't. I still. I don't regret it. I, I don't. I'm not. I, I don't lose sleep at night. I don't kick myself because I was helping a buddy out. But I had never seen a game go like that quickly in such little time. So, <laughs> uh, and I still think about it like, wow, that's that was a pretty expensive game. Um, Which you can call it, you know. Kicking yourself or not exactly, sleeping sure. at night. <laughs> anyway, this is a typical Fire Emblem game. Have you played any Fire Emblem games, Cody? I, I really haven't. The only one I played, I don't think counts. It was the mobile game, which was free, and it was all about trying to milk you for money. But I want to play a real Fire Emblem game. And you should because yeah, they're not about they're not about you know DLC or microtransactions or whatever. The original games, the two two D games are a lot of fun. I played a couple of them. And they're fine, but this one, Path of Radiance, is unique because it is the first entry into the 3D world, like a kind of a more 3D view. This one doesn't play on on hexes; it's squares. Um, and basically, it is a game of it. It is he- it is story heavy, which is I know odd because I don't like story heavy games, but this one does have a very interesting and unique storyline to it. And I'm, I won't go into that right now, but between every battle, you'll get these full motion, um, cut of, of the characters and the storyline. Uh, so you do get involved and invested in the characters, but then you take control of this small, your, your character's name, Ike and Ike, um, in any Ike. battle that you do, Ike, if Ike gets killed, you lose the game. So you then go back to the beginning of the next scenario. You don't have to go back to the beginning. You don't lose completely. But what this game does have is you will have multiple party members. Um, sometimes it's only two or three. Sometimes it's five, six different you know, p- people in your party. When they die, it's permadeath. Like, they don't come back. Yeah, like XCOM. Yep, like XCOM. So, you know, you can spend time, like, getting gaining experience and upgrading weapons of these characters. But if they die, they're dead. You don't get them back, except for Ike. Ike, if he dies, you lose that scenario. So you can't let Ike die. Uh, but meanwhile, you're playing, and this one, this game has a... Um, it, it it has a system where, like, with the weapons that you use, first of all, the weapons do degrade. So you do need to fix your weapons or or upgrade them. Now, I never had a problem with that in this game because weapons are plentiful. You'll find them on enemies and stuff like that. So, I mean, I literally have a guy that will have six swords, iron swords on him. So you're just picking and choosing which one has less degradation on them. So that's not really a problem in this game, but the, the weapons do degrade over time so you you need to upgrade them or find new ones um it has a system where um it's like a i forget what they call it it's like a triangle i have my notes here like where there's like this little triangle where sword 
beats axe, axe beats spears, and spears beat swords. So it's yeah, like the Rochambeau, kind of Rochambeau system. Yep. So yeah, exactly like a Rochambeau or a rock paper scissor thing where. If you if you see an enemy and he has a sword, then you want to find a guy that has if one of your guys has a spear, if he goes against him, you'll have an advantage because the spear is greater yeah, than the sword. Makes sense. You know, I always hate when I stab a man yeah. four four or five times with a kitchen knife and then yeah. I have to go find another kitchen knife. It's yeah. really it's upsetting to me. Yeah, it is upsetting. Yeah, but it does it's allow. Like, you I need to, to stab more people, and I don't want to have to keep getting new knives. I mean, that's there's a cost to that. But as you know, I mean, your kitchen <laughs> knives get dull over time. I mean, you do have to sharpen them, and, and that's then they kinda, just completely break in half and they become unusable. I have to go get more kitchen knives. Sure, they can. You you know that that <laughs> does happen. Um, so this this game though is a fantastic game because as Fire Emblem uh, went on in the series, they got more and more complicated which some people like because there were more systems to tinker with and you know class systems and skills and stuff like that this one is still it still has that kind of stuff but it's it's much more simplified because this is the what i think is the beginning of the era for the 3d versions of fire emblem okay so um the next one after this one was called uh radiant dawn and that was the sequel to this game that came out on the wii and I would say that one and this one are the two you really should play if you're going to get into Fire Emblem. And okay. this one in particular is fantastic. I love this game. I've never beaten it, but I do go back to it almost probably once a year and play through maybe about 10 or 15 hours of it. And nice. I, I, didn't I know really that. enjoy okay. this game. And as you go further and further, you can it get it does get a lot more sophisticated with classes and jobs and stuff like that. Um it's a game you should really check out. So Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. This is this is my pick for my second. Nice. Yeah. Now you mentioned the only Fire Emblem game I actually have tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't work out too well because it was a fan translation of the original Famicom Fire Emblem games, which were Japanese only. Yeah. And it was really buggy and it did not work terribly well. But I think they've recently released those. Nintendo's released those, I think, on the Switch um, I think they did in, in online, whatever with, with official translations. My first fire emblem game was, um, I don't remember the, the, t- the subtitle, but it was on the 3ds. And yeah, I mean, that'd I be re- a great system to play a game like this on. Yep. And I grabbed it and I played it and my son played it and we played it simultaneously. Um, and we both really enjoyed it. And then, you know, as I was getting more into the retro scene and stuff like that, I, that's when I grabbed Path of Radiance. And I got to honestly say, I love Path of Radiance. Probably, this is probably my favorite Fire Emblem game I've played. Gotcha. Yep. So this next game is the game that I pulled out my Game Boy Advance for and tried to play a good amount of it. It's a game I've always wanted to try. For whatever reason, I never have. And it's had tons and tons of sequels. So I know they're doing something right. Uh, in fact, they're now coming out with a new collection for the Switch, and that is Mega Man Battle Network. Have you heard this one much? I've, I've, I've listened to an entire podcast where they covered this game, and it sounded fascinating to me, but I've never played them. And I don't know too much about them, to be honest. So this is interesting, because I've only seen videos of it, and I've always wanted to try it, because I'm like, man, I love Mega Man stuff, and I love 
turn-based tactic games and i looked at this grid-based Mega Man game like that i don't know why something about that just looks super cool although i have to say there's a few negatives that right when i first tried to play this game which i first tried it for the show this month so i haven't played a ton of it yet um first of all it is like a lot of japanese game based off of some schoolboy who goes to school yeah as they do you know as they do and it's just frustrating it's like why why can't all Japanese games always have like these school kids, you know. American games, I think, typically have you're know, like superheroes and like destroying bad guys who are tearing up cities. And Japanese yeah. games are always like school kids, and their parents are telling them to go to bed. And they're like, "Man, I really have to kill that guy before he murders my whole family." But my mom told me to go to bed, so it's bedtime now. Um. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> this game is um. A game about you traveling in an isometric world of your your house and your bedroom and your mom telling you what to do and going to school. But ultimately, you're hacking. You're a hacker. And you're hacking into the network. And this is, you can tell this is like early internet um, by some of the things they talk about. But ultimately, you hack in with your little... Um, uh, what do they call it? when you, Your little um, avatar... Yeah. And your avatar is Mega Man, essentially. And you jack in with <laughs> Mega Man.exe. <laughs> and, and I remember a game on, a a, on what was the game on the Wonder Swan that was called Mega Man.exe? I'm sure it was this type of game. It probably yeah. was related, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, the ultimate it, you know, that that's a, all the overworld and you try to bat, you know, buy things and you power up and you get new abilities and whatever, but ultimately you the battles themselves are you right here on this screen and it's actually not turn-based it is live action which i did not know and you basically it's a mixture between almost like a card battler and a grid-based um real-time action game it's interesting so you basically are on a grid of three by nine and the first six of those um Three, not three by nine. Is it three by nine? Three by six. So the first nine of those squares, if you can imagine a three by three plot, are to are start out as red. Here, I'm trying to get back to where we're there again. Uh, start out as red, which means those are your side of the map. And the other side, uh, there you go, are blue. Um, and that's the opponent side of the map. And you can basically press up, down, left, right to pop into any one of those next squares on your side of the grid. And um, the enemy is, can do the same. And depending on which cards you picked are different types of either attacks or you can pick cards that allow you to heal or whatever. And um, I'm not going to get every detail, detail of the game because it'll get monotonous and won't sound exciting on, on radio here. But... Ultimately, your goal is to plus up, down, left, and right and find a spot to attack the opponent before his attack hits you and then dodge out of the way. Um, there's abilities to basically take your nine red hexes and expand them in other columns. So now you have um, four of the six columns and you can get closer to people. Uh, attacks that you can do like that are melee attacks where you get right up in their face and like punch them or do a lot more damage to them. Um, and there's ways to play a one, you know, one, two, maybe three cards at a time in real time, and then, uh, and then you're out of cards. And you have to wait for a little timer basically to go across the screen. When that timer says you're able to select new cards, you hit L or R button, and then you go back into a screen where you choose your next attacks, whether it's a shotgun or a medical kit or a, 
don't know. I haven't played that far in the game, so there's a lot of other things you can you can get. Um, so it's kind of like um, I don't. I, it's it's interesting. I feel like it's almost like a, a Pokemon Overworld screen screen, but instead of the very simple Pokemon battles, you're doing these tactical real time battles with card based elements. Right. And um, I'm gonna play more of it. I want to I want to get into it and. and I've heard great things about it. I've played enough to get a concept of what the game is. I love the fact you can level things up. I like, you know, you can grind for experience. You can buy things at shops. The It's all Mega Man-based stuff, so I love the artwork. I love the, the world, the themes. Um, I love the janky fake internet VR kind of a thing, fake internet <laughs> meta, metaverse kind of a thing. Yeah, it's always and, funny when they, <clears throat> way back then, they tried to predict what it was going to be like <laughs> yeah yeah well even it's kind of like tron you know revisited 30 years later right like yep we're gonna physically be in the network in the internet so yeah looks like there's boss battles and stuff i just i could see this being really fun once you really get into it and uh they right, right now i'm at the point where i'm still kind of learning the basics but um yeah it's like a card battler tactical rpg real-time game it's a, it's a game that I I know has been on my periphery for a while. So someday I think I'll try to get into this too. But there are there are a bunch of different ones, right? I mean, yeah, they're is, up to like six now or something. Exactly. I mean, there are a ton of different ones. But this I is is this the original or did it come out on Wonder Swan and stuff before that? The Mega Man Battle Network is that what this one's called? Yeah, I think this is the original. I don't know if this is the original system, but I believe yeah. it is. Okay. Um, let me check one more thing. I'll just kind of Google that real quick just to see if Wikipedia can, can clarify that for us or not. Yeah. yeah. Because I know there was mega man.exe and it was something like that on the wonder swan and or Rockman.exe, right? Rockman. Yeah. There you go. That's right. right. Uh, it premiered in 2001 on the game boy advance. Okay. Um, amidst, there you go. Created amidst the success of Nintendo and game freaks, Pokemon series. Yeah. And so collectible card game. So yeah, it did everything I just kind of felt like it did. Yep. Um and there are exactly six games and there's some spin offs, including there we the, go. Wonders, there's the Wonder Swan. Wonder Swan, one. yep. So that came after. Interesting. There's also the Mega Man Network Transmission. Which and, and I remember uh, GameCube. That was GameCube. Yep, I remember hearing about that on on that podcast I listened to that that one um they tried to do a lot of unique things with uh I thought it was with online play, but did GameCube have online play? I don't remember. <clears throat> Not sure. I don't, Interesting. I, I, don't, I, I never one, knew That's what I'd like it. to check out, too. There we go. We're on to your last game, Eric. My last one. So I got a little story about this one um, as well. The first time I played the Perfect General series was at a friend's house who had an Amiga. When I was younger, I didn't have an Amiga. I never had one. I went straight from a Commodore 64 to like a 286 PC, like when, mm-hmm. when I got a job and built a, up a PC. But the, the the first time I saw the Perfect General series was on an Amiga, and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. In fact, I remember my friend saying he had to go somewhere, and he was like, oh, just play on the Amiga. You know, I'll set you up with the game, and... I was like, hey, I, I like war games. Let's play the perfect general. So 
I remember I, I started playing that and he left and I played for two or three hours till he got back. And then when he got back, I was hooked and I, I never played it again until I got a PC <laughs> and then I was looking at games to get for my PC and I found the perfect general two, which uh, was the, the sequel to it later on. And I think it was like 1995 was when this came out. Um, the perfect general and the perfect general two I'll talk about cause they're very, very similar, but the perfect general two is the one I had on PC. It is the, and using the term again, the quintessential, quintessential, the quintessential war game. So, I still boot this up from time to time and it still has a huge fan base because a company bought the rights out to this because the company that made this was called quantum quality productions or QQP. And then eventually another company took over and I, I don't remember the name of that company, but they're still in business. You can still buy this game if you go to their website and the website's very nineties looking like very I love it. Nineties, 2000. And you can still buy this game for like 15 bucks and they love this game so much. They came out with a version called the perfect general Two, the internet edition, and you could play online against each other. That's awesome. And, and it's a real nice real time strategy. And they just kind of bolted on online action on this 1995 game. But in this game, you, you have a play field, which is a grid, um, a grid. I think, I think they're hexes. If I remember right. Um, and in the beginning, you get these buy points. You have money, okay, buy points. And you can buy whatever whatever things you want. So you know how like some war games are just too complicated and you're just like, uh, you just, your eyes roll back and you're like, screw this, I don't want to play this <laughs> stupid war game. This game simplifies because it's the OG war game. So you don't have multiple different type of tanks. You don't have multiple airplanes or helicopters or whatever. You literally have tank. You have artillery. You have infantry. You have, it, there's not a lot of like complexity to this, but you, in the beginning of the game, you get buy points and you buy whatever units you want and you place them wherever you want on your side of the battlefield and then your enemy does the same thing. And even if you're playing the computer, you can play a two-player game where you play against a real person or you can play against um, the AI. They buy whatever units they want. And then you literally just play a scenario where you have to capture a certain flag or you have to do whatever the scenario is. And then at different, and then you play your turns, you move your equipment, you have a move like a phase. And then at the end of your move phase, you have a fire phase and you fire at the weapons. So as far as war gaming goes, this one is as simple as it gets. Um, so it's a very, very good introduction to war games. If you, if you want to, if you ever thought you want to get into war games, this is the game for you. Um, war games often get mired down in too much complexity this one simplifies it. It's very, very easy to get in, pick up and play this type of game. And then in, in, in the perfect general two, you, um, there'll be like, you have to complete a game within a certain amount of turns. 
And then if you don't, the enemy will get reinforcements and you'll see a bunch of new units on and maybe you don't get to buy any more units. So there's kind of a time pressure put on you in certain scenarios. But in a lot of scenarios, it's basically capture these cities and then hold them for a certain amount of time and then you win that that scenario. Um, I, I, I've played this game over and over in in in... Like I don't play this game that often, but every like four or five years, I'll boot this one up and give it a play. And it it's a lot of fun. I mean, this is a great war game simulation game. It looks super DOS. It's very super DOS. I mean, this one came Perfect General 2 came out in 1995. Uh, I don't know when the original Perfect General 2 Perfect General came out, but it had to have been in the late 80s. Yeah, no, it's it's it looks it looks really cool. It looks um yeah, like a board game. And it's got that, that all those DOS things, like whenever you go to the selection screen, it lists all the things you can choose to do, but it highlights the first letter so you can do a keyboard shortcut. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like press A for about or press C for campaign. Yep. Um I have to ask, so have you gone back and played the Amiga one that first started your obsession with this game? I have. you now have Amiga. Amiga. I have, and the the first one is as good as the Perfect General 2. I mean, they're both really, really good and very similar. Yeah. Um, but, But I will tell you that even back, like, when that company took over and then made the Internet Edition, I did buy that one because it was only, like, 15 bucks. Um, I bought it and I did play randos on the internet. Like I played a bunch of like random people in different scenarios back in the day. I mean, this was probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago, probably 20 yeah. years ago. Um, and, and I had a blast with it. So did they I, destroy and I did you? Go, yes, but to answer your question, I did go back and play that one. Yes. Cool. Cool. Very cool, Eric and great choices. We already went over, uh, honorable mentions. So, that ends an episode of Pixel Guide In. Wow, I haven't even finished my beer. All right. <laughs> no, I finished my beer. All right. Both my beers. Um, everybody go ahead and uh, check out our YouTube channel, like we were just talking about, YouTube forward slash Pixel Guide In. And um, go ahead and hop on our Discord, maybe give us some quick questions for next time. Yeah. And uh, on the 30th of November, after Turkey Day here in America and whatever they do in November in England, <laughs> uh, Tim will join us and we will be covering a battle of systems versus, uh, of course, we let Tim pick it. So it's going to be a bunch of old computer games. So <laughs> it's a Commodore 64 shooter versus a BBC micro yeah. shooter. I had fun with this one. Yeah, yeah. It would have been cool if it was a, a an Apple II shooter versus a micro shooter because those are kind of like the school computers. Yeah. Um, but we'll be we'll be talking about those, and of course we'll be catching up, and um, I'm sure we'll get a game show together as well. Um, tea time with Tim. You already heard, but Eric will be talking next month or next show about emulation. Your your opinions on the state of emulation. Is that correct? Yep, my opinions on it now as well as my history with it. Yes. And then if I am lucky enough to get the time in I want to get in, I want to cover the Sega Genesis shooters. Ooh. All these scrolling shmups on that system. I feel like they are an underappreciated segment of shooters, but they are fast and fun and exciting. So, thank you all for listening to Pixel Guide In. 
We'll catch you next time. Yep. And until then, Eric, it's it's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.